But the other thing her sister tells her is, stay away from Zayden Ryerson. He is the son of the uh, guy who started the revolution, and our mom killed him. So he probably wants to kill you. And if he finds out you're a Sorengale, he'll want to kill you. So you know they're going to fuck. And welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast. We just got a comment that was like, when I first started watching your podcast and you said that, I thought it was a bit pretentious. But now it's like, it was, it's true. You are my favorite podcast. And to you, I say, I'm glad it worked. <laughs> I'm glad we got there. In pretentious. The end. It, you have to fake it, it till you make it. it what might the not hell? have been pretentious. Let me get, because I don't want to misquote the person. Anyway, we appreciate you, our parasocial darlings, and all of the people who watch this. Kind of gimmicky. Oh, it gimmicky. is gimmicky. It is yes. gimmicky. It's me, Maria, your host. There was a bit I was doing, William, where I went off a tangent and then I was coming back. It was back taking to too it. long. <laughs> I know. It's me, your host, Maria, and physically with me today is one of my handsome bitches, Katie. And digitally with me today is my other handsome bitch, William. Hey, uh, what book are we doing today, guys? Fourth Wing. <sighs> so we got to talk about this book. Fourth Wing is a recent novel that's been very popular in the YA and book talk sphere. And so I was like, you know what? It's a long book, but I like to be relevant to the um, the culture. What happened is I said in the ch- our Discord chat, Hey, do you guys mind if we read a bad book? Fourth Wing could do for good for the algorithm. And several people immediately got the book and started reading it, regardless of the fact that I had just said I'm thinking about it. And at that point, I felt obligated to choose it. And then immediately, another five or six people read it within the span of a day and a half and trauma bonded over it. Everybody was talking about it together before I had even known that we were going to be doing it almost. And I was like... What's this fourth wing book? This is the first time that I feel like the Discord has really taken on a life of its own beyond us. Because they like they just did their own thing and now we're along for the ride. So much of my book was in was like like I would read something, then go to the Discord to see what other people had said about it. Oh, I didn't and, even look yet. Oh man. It's let me tell you, I'm going to read a couple of their uh, final thoughts paragraphs and, and then you need to edit it into a short, William, because <laughs> excellent this this was a, a bonding experience for i feel like like we have people in our patreon uh <laughs> and discord who are <laughs> it's, it's the will put pandora's box before us and i and it was all i was thinking of opening this guys, guys what, what do you think? think there is um a little bit of uh controversy completely unearned that i got this book started and not the patrons um and i would just like to say as an impartial judge that's bullshit confess to the forum you son of a motherless goat no the greatest um insult you could offer me is uh zayden we should also say it's by this lady named rebecca yaros i know the name for once for i have cursed it cursed oh come now <laughs> cursed it in my That's so over dramatic uh, so first let me say something this book is all over youtube there's been a lot of youtubers that have commented on it uh some that are kind of like fine about it like they they don't get the hype but it's they're just eh. uh and some who are like is this the worst book of 2023? It is not um, the worst book of 2023, but it is also not the best book of 2023. It's the worst book we've read. I disagree. For the podcast. For the podcast? Yes. The problem is, is that we read- Saver Sisters exist and Cyborg Tinkerer. That is actually a good point. Saver Sisters. I was so going to say, the thing is, is this is more cohesive than some of the other pieces we've written, which, you know, I'm not saying it's great. Hey, it is. I, I don't think it's very Then Cyborg Tinkerer. Yes, and Cyborg Tinkerer, mm. but I don't think that's like, if Cyborg Tinkerer is down here- You guys were saying it's the worst. 
I'm I arguing said this year we didn't read. I said this year we didn't read Cyborg Tinker or Save Your Sister this year. The big problem with this book, honestly, is that it's too long. So a dumb thing doesn't happen once. It happens six times. We don't hear about how Zayden is hot one time in a gross way. We hear about it nine times, maybe 35. It's such a long book and so little happens. I want to I want to finish my disclaimer really quick. Okay. There is an audience of people who are going to enjoy this book because here is what this book is. This book is a contemporary romance with the veneer of fantasy. I was just going to say. It is you know when you're a part of a fandom and artists like they take the star wars characters and they put them in bikinis and they're on like the beach like playing volleyball or you get the game of thrones characters but they're in contemporary clothing and they're in jeans and they're like at the mall i haven't written that 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 (laughs) That was all you but that is what this book is it is a contemporary romance with the veneer of fantasy for and for the first two-thirds maybe three-fourths of the book that is literally it it is a school fantasy uh like a school uh setting that could be and should be i will argue that this should be set in a different uh more contemporary world and it would probably work better but with the veneer of fantasy over so if you want to splash some fantasy and you want like a real weird enemies to lover romance and you want smut and you want a good beach read sure that's what i told maria yesterday yes is i said that but it's not the best version of a beach read <laughs> no i've had better beach reads but the point is is this is not the worst book this is not even a in the grand scheme of all the things i have ever read it's not even on the top 10 of bad books but hey i don't care let me say my no piece. say 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 <laughs> um but yeah, no, it's not good. Like I, well, you know what? I was accepting of it um, up until it got to. I mean, not that there weren't things wrong with it, like technically speaking, but it was like enjoyable up until the part where literally Zayden and her, like Zayden became literally the only focus of the entire piece. Because prior to that, it was kind of fun being like, oh, what she's, what is she gonna overcome? What's her power? All that stuff, and it's like a little bit more like interesting. But then it just full on focuses and show its like hand, and it's just full on porn. And uh, I, it's not good porn and it's not an interesting romance so it's really tacky and I honestly it was so uncomfortable listening to the audiobook during the first sex scene that I stopped listening to it for the day god it was awful and they talk so much and it's so stupid and the word leverage gets used three times in the first sex scene why is anyone thinking of leverage? I don't like it when people's powers go crazy during sex unless it's really funny then it's not really like Okay, overarching, over, just overarching, <laughs> not specific, guys. Anyway, so my point is, there are going to be people who like this book. Now, I think those can be younger audiences, <laughs> and I also think what? Yes, yes, she has. I was a also, I know, I was expecting that to happen as well. How did, I wanted her leg to pop out during sex. Yeah, I know. I thought that was going to happen. How does everything else in her life get bruise her and stuff? But she goes no, through no, no. a railing no, during no. sex. Just she fine. tripped. She tripped. And dislocated her knee. Now, granted, that was prior to all her uh, of her inner thigh workouts that she did on the magical machine that she exists in this she world. Should have at least had bruises, <laughs> given what we've come to know. Anyway, the point is, their younger audiences, I think, are going to resonate with this, especially if this is their first foray into fantasy and they don't know. Uh, like, she's it, published twenty books. 
Yeah, I know. Once I learned that, that really helps me because Katie and I were going on yesterday. <laughs> oh, we were arguing. I was we like, were... if this is within, if this is like six books and under, I feel like some of the things that she did, it's like, yeah, like I'm okay. I'm like 100% okay Because I was that. like, no, it's terrible. But then if it's more than six books, I was going to be like, well, then like there are certain then things I don't right, Maria, feel like is... she's learned at this point and she needs to learn. But that also, you have to ask yourself like, does she even care about creating a book that that's highbrow? Maybe she doesn't care. It, Maybe she's just writing this so that way she can get, like, you know, other people's nillies going. There are people who their millies are going to get going. A lot of, I, I imagine some of the, uh, someone in our Discord said if you're, like, an older millennial who hasn't read in a while since high school. Oh, this would be super and you're enjoyable, looking I'm sure. for the, like, taste of fantasy, this might do it for you. But as someone who reads regularly, who has read better romances, better beach reads, and better fantasy novels this parades as a fantasy novel and commits incredible yeah. sins as pretending to be a fantasy i know novel. i agree on it, that if it was not pretending to be a fantasy novel i think a lot of these things i, I it wouldn't even bug me as much but it is pretending to have that higher fantasy nature to it and unfortunately it's just the thing is, is it, I, it would be way more forgivable all the bad sex scenes and stuff and all the like whatever character stuff if the world itself was more interesting. Megan says, the biggest problem, in my opinion, was the total lack of effort to world building. Yeah. And this not being her genre makes a lot of sense. Uh, Valerie says... Is it not her genre? Like, is there any other fan? I don't know if she's... She mostly fans. does, like, military romance. Yeah, because she... Uh, mil- I think... She's uh, a military Marine, Yeah, Marine husband, six yeah. kids. Because you can tell from this novel, she really understands the military. And didn't just read Full Metal... Didn't just watch the first part of Full Metal Jacket and go, oh, what about that, but more extreme there's different reading experiences if you can't tell really quick let's just go over overall will what was your feelings on this book my feeling is that we are too far in this review for you guys not to understand the rage that wells within me at having to read this now this was not a rage of achilles kind of rage where it was quite hot and intense and i hated everyone and anyone who had ever said a kind thing about that book to this day i still find it infuriating that on an existential level that someone thinks that's a good book and that someone wrote it author jail author jail for ten thousand years but this book more was a, a rage at the dying of the light like it kind of wore me down with just the depression of how long and bad it was i kept having to hear how the main male character was hot then the author wrote like the worst kind of romance tropes of I love you, I love you, and you're so hot, and then stuff about my cock. And I'm like, oh God, will you shut the fuck up? I hate every moment of this sex scene. And then for at the end, stuff suddenly happens. There's so much in this book that happens but doesn't mean anything. This book was really painful to read. It's so bad. Believe me, my criticisms will grow more granular as this review goes on, but you needed to understand the full breadth and width of my fury. So, uh, I'm not far off from Will. I, um, I'm, I think I have a lot more patience with this book than both of you guys combined. Maybe. I hated it from the first chapter. I did not hate it from the first chapter. Uh. I think there's a lot of things that she is doing well in this. And I think that there are things that you, sh- that she should be like, I would love to, personally, if I were to actually approach this from, like, a critical eye, I'd be curious to know what her normal wheelhouse or if this, like, some of her other material, if I were to actually critique her as an author. The book in and of itself has a couple of good things. It has enough good things that I can understand why people like it. Um, and then, but majority, if we're going to be critical of it, yeah, no, it's it's not doing its job in a lot of areas. 
it is a book that wants to have the language and veneer of modern society and a modern working romance in a world with indoor plumbing that where people say where people say for the win oh, god, he he's wants being attention. such a baby oh my god one thing i will say is that actually when i started this book i didn't think it was as quite as bad as everyone was saying the thing that really got to me is just how long it is again it, it kind of wears you down over time for the wing, am I right, fellers? Oh, that's so good. Oh, here it is. Lindbergh said earlier, this book is about an uppity girl at murder school getting fought over by jerks and babied by an ancient dragon. Oh, God. Yes, that is a perfect summary. That is a absolutely perfect summary. So one thing I will say, this book, outside of like the first few chapters, which I felt were really slow, like it hits a point where it just goes. Like it just there's stuff happening and it as far as a read, you can you can slam away I, there were points where that I had to stop because I, things made me cringe so hard that I had to like <laughs> pause and stop. But you could slam away through a couple hours, like an hour or two of this book uh, relatively because it just flies. Like and, and it was shallow enough that like I could like do something that required mo- like 70% of my attention have this going in the background. And I still knew what was happening in the book. Uh, for me, one of the most egregious things is this... Not to mention there's basically no dragon riding in the dragon riding book. Yeah. But for me, one of the most egregious things is that the first three fourths of the book are is just girl at school and it is a school drama and there is no overarching like there's tiny 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 little baby crumbs of an overarching actual plot and i'm going to compare this to a book series that i don't often think of lately because i don't care to but harry potter because it is also set in a school even in the earlier books which i argue are the better books because they're staying silly uh in the harry potter universe while there is the school stuff that's happening the overarching plot like oh what's the sorcerer's stone what are they hiding on level three well see what, what works is, with that is, is that troll in the dungeon yeah so the thing that works with that is there are little bubbles of epic moments that come in and also it's like it's woven in between the plot yep. points and it's also bigger than the actual school drama shit like harry potter's <laughs> biggest problems is not the test in defense against the dark arts it's the troll in the fucking dungeon who's controlling was uh was it professor sneak like there's there's a whole fucking conspiracy that these kids are latching onto throughout the entirety of the book um and that is what makes it work better as a even though it's stuck in the setting of a school there is an overarching plot this book fails that <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Lindbergh says the book opens with stay away from Zayden Ryerson he will kill you and that's how you know they're gonna bang yeah I knew that too as soon as it said that and then when it was like his gorgeous face at first I thought it was Dane that she was describing that like he was there and then she was like oh I've met up with Dane again and then no it's some rando and I was like who the hell is this why is she so horny yep immediately immediately it's interesting because as much as Song of Achilles is my least favorite book We've read this year. Zayden may be my least favorite character we've read this year. And that's tough because Patroclus, I I wanted him to get run over by a train multiple times and be alive for each one so he could experience each death as his mangled body was just Jesus, William, that is I, so extra. 
That's how I felt no, about the Proclus um, And he would probably have been like, oh, and I love Achilles the whole time. Can you imagine? Zayden okay. is definitely one of the worst characters we've ever read, honestly, besides uh, Gwendolyn fucking Grimm. Sorry, I just wanted to finish my point from before. All of the plot that should have been spread out through the entirety of the book gets shoved into the last fourth. Like, the entire extra overarching plot that should be happening, it's in the last fourth. That's it. You're totally right. Harry Potter is actually a very good reference because those books are actually really masterful in how they handle the differing tensions and plot lines that go through. And that central mystery of whatever the book is has is a nice tension arc and forms what's going on. It's like a spine to the to the book um, and the story. And this doesn't have that. It's just a lot of tests after one after another. And then suddenly at the end, it's like, oh, and then we have an epic battle. So the problem is that this book engages in a really high amount of emotionality in its sex scene and in its battle at the end. And neither of them are built up. They, neither of them have the foundation to be effective. And that's one of the ways that you know this book isn't trying to be a dumb read, is it wants to build to these levels of emotionality um, and, and significance, but it has not... It, it put in the work, it's just that the author doesn't have any talent. And so that's why it doesn't work. Angry Otter says, I've informed my family they can have Pop-Tarts for breakfast. This is more important. <laughs> We're glad your priorities are in order. For me, it reminds me a little bit of the unearned emotionality of uh, The Wrath and the Dawn, where that last fourth just brought all, like, these characters who had barely, like, and so the one thing I will give this is the characters interacted more than the characters interacted in that book. But the, you're right. The emotionality just doesn't feel and specifically Liam, as much as he is one of the better characters in the book, he is not around enough. And the bond with him and Violet is not developed enough to make the emotionality at the end really work. And honestly, one of the ways to do it is to impart a super level of emotionality between the writers and the dragons so that when he loses his dragon that's the part you feel bad why for? did we care about day at all we never met day so when he dies or she dies or whatever like it, it doesn't matter it and all we care about is liam's death so but then we lose half the death process there yep and there's a lack of like in temeraire you really feel the yeah. bond between yeah. uh uh, Lawrence and Tamarare. Yeah, you really feel that bond. But this is a magical bond. This isn't just, hey, we get along. Can you stop annoying Katie? Let me put it like this. Maria, at the point where Liam, Dragon, and him die and all that, did that make you cry as, or did you feel the same emotionality as when that dragon in the first book is dying and their captain won't go see them? No. no. I didn't cry at all. I literally was there making, was no I was making my breakfast and I was like, God, how much more of this gap do I have to go? That's where I was at as Jesus well this morning. Jesus Christ. Because Katie. I finished this book literally uh, when I walked through Maria's front door. Katie, would you like to start? So we are set in a world where there are dragons, obviously. You've probably cottoned on to that point at this point. There are also, um, uh, not, uh, Griffins. There are also griffins. And there are many countries in this fantasy world. And there Only is... Only two that matter. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Uh, the griffins versus the dragon people. I think it's Tyrandor versus uh, and something it's, with it's, a It's P. Navarre. No, it's oh, Navarre. Oh, no, we're Navarre. Yeah. We're Navarre, and then it's uh, something with a P. Uh, it doesn't matter. This book's world building is shallow. I, I barely know names. And then things. she, I, I don't think she did it as an info dump, but our main character also <laughs> recites information. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. Oh, it's not an info dump. Let me just have my it's sarcasm. It's sarcasm. Okay, no, that was the worst. 
Oh my god, that annoyed me so much. Like up when she was reciting the information, so she wasn't. Wait, poor Emil was the other country. I knew it started with me. Navarre, where I live. Yes, the care. Okay, I didn't even get that far. There's Dragon Country and there is Griffin Country, and they are at war. And our main character is the daughter of a high-ranking military official who is very shallowly written, very bitchy, and not in a fun female feminine bitchy hot bitchiness that will likes way irrational yeah irrationally uh like for example um our main character violet has been summoned and she has been conscripted essentially to be a dragon rider just to see if she can become it not not to actually be one just to apply to be one you guys are underselling this so much I, First fine of all, then ahead. fine okay. do it so our girl violet is going to her mama's and she's out of breath she's oh, lugging, Jesus, you are so <laughs> she's yeah. lugging a, a bag that's super she's like oh, six months of training to become a dragon rider and i can barely get up the stairs because what you learn is our girl violet for the past 12 years of her life has not been training to be a dragon rider which is something that you should be training for very long parts of your life no, she's been in uh, the library. Scribe training. She's been scribe training with her father for the past 12 years. And as she walks up to the general's office, and then it's like, and it's my mom's office. Because it's one of those things where like, oh, yeah, my mom's the general. Someone is yelling at the general. And she's like, I know who it is. And it's basically her sister, Mira, being like, do you want your daughter to die? Do you want my sister to die? You are sending her to death, mother. What are you doing? Like, stop it. And basically, the idea is our girl, Violet, she's weak. Not just like I have never trained for anything weak, but she literally gets bruised easily. She has broken bones. She's she literally if she bumps her knee, like if she hits her knee, the kneecap will slide off. Like this girl is not built for physicality. And her sister is like, she's literally gonna die if you send her into the dragon quad. And mom's like yeah, well, she's a Soringale, so either she's a dragon rider or she dies. She's literally bringing forth the ride or die yep. uh, trope. And and she says, your sister has dealt with more pain this morning before breakfast than you've dealt with your entire life, Mira. She's perfect to be a dragon. Even though, apparently, from what Violet tells you in the, her narration, her mother has always been disappointed with her. Her mother has never been proud of her. And she was allowed to train as a scribe for the past 12 years while her father was alive. Her father died a bit ago, and then her mom was like, fuck it. <laughs> You're gonna be a dragon rider, and threw her into dragon rider training. Ma'am, if you want to kill your daughter, just kill your daughter. Also, I kind of have a <laughs> feeling that there's gonna be a twist at some point if we have to read the second book, and uh, the mom actually killed the dad. Just throwing that out there. Here's the problem. I'm sure there's some kind of plot twist coming with her mother being a dick. In this book, it makes no sense. And right off the bat, it really destroys the realism of the world to have a character act in such an inexplicable way. Because I, this is going to come up several times because it's a defense I've heard of this book and other books is that this is the first book. If there's something inexplicable, you know it's going to be explained in later books and that's okay. No, 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 you lazy, lazy catamite. 100% agree with you, William. We talked about this actually in our House of Salt and Sorrow uh, review. That The plot twist in there actually makes sense, but the problem is that plot twists don't retroactively make your reading experience with the book have made sense at the moment. You don't suddenly go, oh, uh, that jarred me out of the book when I read it, but now am I my sense of memory going backwards, you still have the jarred out of the realism of the world problem that a plot twist has. And so there's going to be several things in this book that you're like, that didn't make any sense. Um, and people are going to argue, oh, it's not like, okay, so the dragons, when we get there, makes no sense. None. None. 
that Oppo Research podcast I did talked about how like, oh, obviously there's supposed to be some mysteries in a book. No. Anyway, another thing to mention is that I believe specifically um, Violet has EDS. Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. I'm going to talk later because we tend to front load our criticism sometimes, but I feel like the the disability was very ill-defined by the book and that I couldn't quite figure out what it was besides a vague, my joints are weak. The thing that I think I was the saddest letdown of this entire novel is that the, and Marie and I had an argument over it yesterday, but like now that I see that I've finished the entire book and I see that she did nothing with it, it's like, why even give that as a character like, a trait if you're not going to utilize it in some way to make her different from everyone else in the end she became just like everyone else so it was just like eh. and i like characters that are disabled and have to like work with their disability it's because it, there's a different mindset and a, a really cool and sad but cool emotional play that happens between people and situations and i love it and it just uh, there it didn't get used like at all except for at the literally like the first three chapters and, and randomly throughout the book where, like, she would just get injured or, like, need to wrap her knee because it was going to dislocate. The other thing to know is that her mother isn't just sending her into, like, Dragon Rider Academy. No, no, no. This is Death Camp Rider Academy. All these are citizens, right? Powerful people who ride dragons. They send their children into a place that has a, no joke, 50 to 70% kill rate. They, like, start off with, like, 160 people and end up with 70 at the end of it. Again, the author watched Full Metal Jacket and was like, this is an understatement, isn't it? And again, this is a military author. Like, the author knows about the military. Um, Peachy Keen had a really great post on our Discord talking about how stupid a lot of this is. Uh, a lot of the death camp nonsense is that we're going to talk about in terms of instilling military discipline. But so she for sure knows her daughter is not going to survive in this environment. It's yeah. so weird. And it's it just makes no sense. And you as a reader are like, again, I literally was like, Madam, if you want to kill your daughter, just kill your daughter. I, I guarantee you there's easier ways to do this. What, What is the goal here? Anyway, so she's like, no, she has to. She can't go into the scribe quadrant, even though that's what she trained for her whole life. She's got to go do the parapet. Even though she was... Allowing. noted as being one of the star pupils of the like head scribe or whatever and they all thought and expected great things from her in the scribe quadrant it's like why would you take away an asset like that from the place where they're really good yep also uh she's been described as having a very close relationship with the healers in this so she lives in at Beskayeth, which is the school of the military, which has different quadrants. There's the scribe, healers, and the the writer's quadrant. Uh, the writer's quadrant being the only one with the crazy high death toll. Um, but her entire life here, she has spent getting to know the healers, and they know her super well because she gets, even in daily life, like running around as a child, she gets injured very easily. Okay? She she breaks bones easier. Her joints are super weak. There like so many issues. And her mom's like, "Nope, you're you're go you're going to go do the thing with all the physicality." And it's just it's it's not great. But anyway, Mira's like, "Don't do this." And she's like, "I have to. Mom's going to make me." Mira's her sister. And Mira's like, "Excellent, heckin' good uh dragon rider. She's she's strong." Mm. Also, I should say that her mother got sick with a really bad fever while she was pregnant with her, our main character, Violet. Uh and so Violet has silver tipped hair and no matter what if she cuts her hair 
it'll still be silver. Like, it, the ends will turn silver at whatever length she cuts it. Because her mom's like, you should cut your hair and get rid of that silver thing. And she's like, mom, you obviously know that if I cut my hair, it'll still be silver at the end. Which is the weirdest way to tell the audience <laughs> that. Like, why, do, why did your mom act like she didn't know that? That's a really weird thing for someone to forget. Can you leave Katie alone? So the thing about Violet is that for some reason she accepts this. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense because if this is a society where you go and into like a specific caste instead of just like an a like it, it's treated less as like a school path and more like a caste that you're entering, i.e. divergent, which this book reads a lot like. So it doesn't seem like something her mother would actually be able to change. It feels like societally, if she wanted to be a scribe, she could just be a scribe. And so she just is kind of like, I guess I'm going to do, I have to do what my mother says. And the problem with this is it makes her a passive character. Um, and this is going to become more of a problem as the book goes on and it becomes less explicable why she wants to be a dragon writer or why she sticks with this. Like just to go be a, a scribe. It's, I, I don't understand her motivation for this. It's never sold to us why she decides to persist in this death academy. The author tries to do a retcon where like it's set up that she has wanted to be a scribe. She's been training to be a scribe. And then like there's a scene halfway through the book where she has a memory of a young baby, her talking to her dad being like, why can't I be a writer like Mama Mira and Brenna and Papa? And he's like, <laughs> that's not your path darling girl and she's like okay daddy and so the idea is at her heart since she was a little baby girl she did want to be no a but writer. she liked being a scribe and she, she loved scribe yeah. and that's where she imagines herself not on her dragon's back not in the academy but in a like the scribe place i'm so glad you were angry about the motivations of this as i am and at the book the end will insist that scribes have a really super important job even more so than dragons and you'll be like oh that's an interesting twist that's not a like is not borne out by the novel as a whole some one of the people who commented that really it should have been she wanted to join the dragons and her mother didn't want her to because she thought she'd embarrass the family exactly this was the exact argument i had when i first was reading this book that a lot of the things would be solved is if mama was like no you are not being a dragon writer your dad has trained you to be a scribe you are going to be a scribe you are not allowed and she was like i'm gonna do it anyway mama because it makes way more sense for the mom to want to be like protective of her and then mira supporting her but also disagreeing with her choice but yep. also like believing in her and then th that makes a lot more sense it, it would make and, and and thus it would take away that weird like why didn't you just go be a because she's given multiple outs we're gonna get to to go be a scribe and and have ways to kind of thwart her mother's expectation that she just chooses not to take, which again is that muddy uh, motivation we're talking about. And just having her want to be a dragon rider her whole life would fix that from the beginning. Like she trained as a scribe, but her heart was never in it. She wanted to be like Mama and Brennan and Mira, Brennan's her older brother, who's dead, by the way. Anyway. Uh, or is he? Or is he? Also, as a side note, I think if I had read this book, I might have a slightly harsher opinion of it than so much worse. if I had, uh, since I listened to it, because I listened to it at two times speed to get through it in two days. So I didn't get to really like stew in it. And I think if I had read the prose, I think I would have been a little bit more on your side, Will. Maybe. I'm it's, not sure. The prose is worse. Like, again, I noticed so much more of repetition of words. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You don't notice it at all at two times speed while listening to the audiobook. She goes to go into the academy. Uh, and the, the way to get into the academy is one of the most deadly things. Because first, you have to take a uh, entrance exam just to get into this guy as the war college, right? I do like that name. 
Vizcaya. There are some names that are pretty like decent, but a lot of them are just Celtic. <laughs> Once you get into the actual war college and you're going into the quadrant you want to go into, the one to get into the rider's quadrant is the worst. You have to cross the parapet. Which is a cool name. It is just a giant thin wall path that connects you from like one area to the actual rider's quadrant i kind of pictured the scene from lord of the rings with the really thin bridge and but but instead of a instead it was like yeah and instead of that really epic scene it was more like jack Barlow. Why is his name Jack Barlow? I hate I, that listen, name. Listen, listen. I have so much. I have so much problems. Again, most of my problems with this book sounds become- like a Tom Sawyer name. So here's the thing: that you have to cross that bridge walking across it. And also, they don't make like if it's raining, you don't do it that day. If it's raining that day, you're shit out of luck. I guess thirty percent of your graduating your your academy students just die because it happened to rain that day versus not. It's so stupid that this is the way they do it when it's so unsafe if it's if it's windy and the thing is it's literally just taking healthy individuals and you're testing their balance to see how good they would be on dragon back that is something you can train my guys like that is something you can train and from what we know there are no previous schools for dragon riding that means because listen i am absolutely okay is it you have been training at an actual school for dragon riding and this is your final exam you need to cross this parapet it is mimicking whatever, whatever. No, this is how you get in. You have to, and it's, it's luck. And also her sister is like here. Oh my God. What a great point. Her mom controls storms. Why was it rainy and windy? So, uh, her sister also knows Mira that you need really grippy shoes. Why does nobody else know this? It is a thin, <laughs> narrow ledge. You need grip for days. It's people not a are secret. out there. Lots of people don't know that you need grippy shoes. So they showed up in smooth-soled yeah, riding said, boots. Because next to Mary Sue, everyone no, else is a fucking, fucking idiot. Her sister Mira gave her dragon riding boots that are, that are super grippy on the bottom. God, don't get me started on the fact that nobody uses saddles. We'll get there. Don't worry. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, it's against the rules. <laughs> like, why would you? Anyway, anyway. Um, so uh, she she's standing in line. And also the other thing, so her sister was like, here are some grippy shoes. Tie up your hair and braid it so that people can't grab it. Which is never something. I was waiting for somebody to grab her hair. Never and happens. Her to come to terms with the fact that she has to change some things. Nope, never happens. Her hair, nobody even touches it. Nobody's hair ever gets yanked. Why was this mentioned so much at the beginning of the book? But the other thing her sister tells her is, stay away from Zayden Ryerson. He is the son of the uh, guy who started the revolution and our mom killed him. So he probably wants to kill you. And if he finds out you're a Sorengale, he'll want to kill you. So you know they're going to (laughs) fuck. So here's another world-building idiocy we've now stumbled into. Which is, there was a rebellion, I don't know, a while before, and that's where her brother died. And the children of the rebellious lords, they were marked, right? Because all their parents were killed. But they were marked, and they were forced to become dragon riders and go through Dragon Rider Academy. Now... Does it make sense to put the children of the treacherous people you murdered in positions of power where they can bond with enormously powerful dragons and essentially they can't be disciplined after that point? It's because they might die, William. Well, no, not just that. The idea is that the dragons can see into their mind and the dragons are loyal. So if you are an evil separatist, the dragons will know and just kill you. 
and thus wouldn't bond with you. That's the yep. theory behind it, which makes the actual thing that happens at the end completely really? dumb. Yeah. And also the fact that, like, why aren't all the dragons rebels? Like, why aren't all of them like, hey, we need to go kill those wyvern guys? Like, there's literally evil creatures out there. What, what the, like, why? It makes no sense. Once you do that at the end, the entire, their entire dragon society makes no sense. Why are the dragons on their end side? It's almost like she wrote this book with the dragons as dumb dragons, and then like halfway through it was like you know what let's make them sentient but then didn't change anything about the book to match that think about it this book makes a lot more sense if the dragons aren't sentient yeah if they're just creatures yep yeah that yeah. you bond with and it's it's crazy because one of our patrons mentioned in their final thoughts that uh the book felt like it was written in a by an ai in batches and so certain <laughs> batches don't fully flow into the others as well as they should uh that's one of them anyway Plugging along, we're still on chapter one. Um, so she has to cross Jesus. the parapet. And while she's in line to cross the parapet, uh, and like kids die, whether it's rainy or not, like tons of kids who are applying to the dragon quadrant just die. And she's there with this guy who has been training his whole life to become a dragon rider and to do this thing. And this girl behind her named Rhiannon, um, and she's becoming friendly with Rhiannon. And she realizes that Rhiannon's shoes are smooth soled. Uh, and so she makes Rhiannon switch one boot with her. So Rhiannon is in front of her. There was this other guy behind her. Uh, and then behind that guy is some dude named Jack Barlow, who is, who is basically looking at her. Cause again, Violet is short. She's very pale and she looks frail uh she's she's not built she's she's a little scrawny and everybody else apparently looks beefy for some reason um i guess everybody was lifting weights except for our girl violet this one guy is like you look too weak to be a writer you're probably gonna die on the parapet and and then they're like ah okay whatever uh and then she sees a couple of people that have these marks on their arms and it's the marks that are put on the kids who were the children of the um rebels the rebels and uh as she's going across like she's getting halfway across and then she she hears the guy before who was like, you're too weak to be a writer. You'll probably die on the parapet. Just go, I'm gonna kill you, Soren Gale. This guy <laughs> who she just met two minutes ago, who literally their entire interaction was him going, you look too weak to be a writer, Soren Gale has now turned into a homicidal maniac. He would like to kill her. No reason. It's not His like name she was did Jack Lindbergh. Jack Barlow. Jack Barlow. It's not like she did anything to him. It's not like he's the guy whose uh, father her mother killed. This guy doesn't know her from a fucking bar of soap. Homicidal. So homicidal that the guy who is behind her, but in front of him, he just throws off the parapet yep. for no reason. What the fuck is happening? Yeah, no, that was kind of <laughs> wild. Why wasn't he homicidal before that? Like, why did it take her having to be halfway across the parapet for him to be like, I'm gonna kill you, sorry. Like, I think he likes to be dramatic. It's, no, it's bad writing on the author. She didn't give motivation for this guy. We will never find out why he is this homicidal. This is not like a, a thing that will be revealed later. He's literally evil homicidal psychopath man from moment one. He is the most boring bludgeon of a character possible. It's so bad. And I literally, I stopped in chapter one and I just put the book down and went, what is happening? Why did this guy get homicidal all of a sudden? Don't worry, this book will answer none of your questions. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, so just across the parapet, Jack is coming after her. She manages to get across, and as he's finally coming across the parapet, she takes a dagger that she has on her, and she, like, 
stabs it as at his groin and she's like watch yourself and he's like er and the people i'm even hotter for you now and uh there's like people on the ground behind her because technically on the parapet they can kill each other like jack literally throws someone off and there's no disciplinary action anything that happens on the parapet is a-okay and because you're not cadets yet and once you're cadets there are some rules about interactions you can only kill people from other squadrons not your own yes so fucking stupid why are you allowed to kill anyone literally jack in their first training session together will look at violet and snap a guy's neck and the other guy the training guy will be like Why'd you do I that? I told you to use lethal force. I know. I'm like, what the fuck? Gee Willie's Jack, why would you do that? Like, yeah, no, when that happened and there was literally no repercussions. I mean, even earlier on when he threw the person off the thing, I was like, I'm sorry. Is he not seen as a liability considering he's not a team player and this is literally all a team effort? Yep, exactly. The, it, it, there's no reason he would get, he would make it across and people would be like, yeah, you can stay. Anyway, what also happens while she's up on the parapet is she sees Zayden Ryerson is the beefiest, most delicious looking man she's ever seen, but she doesn't realize at first that it's him. His Even jaw though, was sculpted perfectly. And his lips. If, if, if a master sculptor took uh, days sculpting him, he spent three hours just on his lips. And yet she doesn't notice the giant rebel mark literally coming up to his fucking jawline. And that, and then realizes, oh, this is Aiden Ryerson, the person my sister told me. And like, he's pissed off at her and he's like, oh, fuck you, Soren Gale. Man, man, man. And she's like, oh, he's going to kill me. Oh, no. Uh, and then she like gets down. While she was on the parapet, she like falls and hits her knee. Once she's finally off the parapet and she's like now a cadet and she signed up, yay. Uh, her friend Dane Ados, uh, who's been her friend since childhood, but who is a, uh, he's in his second year at the academy. Um, uh, he's like, what are you doing here? Vi, you shouldn't be here. Oh my God, why would your mother, like, why are you here? And she's like, guess why I'm here. And he's like, oh, your mother. And he was like, listen, I will smuggle you to the scribe quarters right the fuck now. And there's the end of the no book. One, no one will ever know. <laughs> I will just smuggle you there right now. You can start there. And you as a reader are like, yeah, take this out, Vi. Like, why would you, like, at least take the out. And then if your mom throws you back, at least you tried. She's like, no, I'm not doing it. Cause she's like, do you think I can't do it? And, and he's I, like, but you know, what's funny is that the author yeah. calls herself out on it by having Dane be like, Hey, don't take this out on me. I'm just trying to help you. I'm not calling you weak. So it's, it's funny that like that happens multi, that's a continuous issue. And it actually is an issue. And the author's calling herself out on repeating this issue on the first existence of the issue, but then it continues going. He's like, we, we need to get you out of here. And she takes him, he takes her up to her room so that they can wrap her knee because her, like now that she's hit it, there's a chance or her kneecap's just going to completely dislocate. So they have to wrap it. Um, and you realize now that she has had a crush on uh, Dane and it got mentioned before when she was talking to her sister, uh, just, uh, oh, oh, I forgot. While she's crossing the parapet, she she makes dumps. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's my it's my favorite method of info dumping. The character literally recites all of the world building as a way to escape anxiety. She literally starts reciting history, but she's like Navarre, the country I live in, uh, and you're like. <laughs> Why would you say that? Just and like, I would have been happier if she was like just naming royal houses, you know, stuff that isn't yeah like, that feels detailed. Oh, dragon lines. Yeah, that that would have made and because it's also the kind of thing that doesn't require thought, and you can lit literally remember this name to this name to this name. Versus, she's literally just reciting 
bits of history. It makes no sense. It makes sense if you're like reciting a part of a book you read recently or something you think is relevant to now. But this is like she's literally starting at the beginning of the textbook and reading from that point forward. And it's like the most I could see this is something that like someone in kindergarten would do. You know what I mean? Like America is a country that's this or that. But it makes no sense in world that she would be doing this. And so it becomes a vehicle for exposition more so than uh, for characterization. The idea is that she needs to distract herself so she can get across the parapet easily. Which I'm fine with that concept in and of itself. Exactly. And again, if she'd been going through dragon lines or something that is actually easy to memorize, or if it's stated that she has a photographic memory, but even then, like... The author saw an opportunity to info dump and she took it where I think it could have been used more creatively. Uh, yeah, way preferred, more creatively. I would have preferred, honestly, if she had recited one of the fables that, <gasps> oh, yeah! that her dad, uh, one of the... Then we would actually Venom know the... T- and then it would be weaved in between it uh, from the beginning. Because her, she, there's a book that she wants to take with her to the Dragon College that her sister won't take her, let her take, which is a book of fables. And a couple of words get thrown at you, which are like the Venon and Wyvern, but nothing is explained at at this point and it's not going to but it is integral to the actual plot of the book so this would have been a great time for her to be like i'll i decided to start reciting the tale that dad told me so much i managed to memorize it and then we get that like, and it's a comfort spot for and her it is anyway. a comfort spot so that would have fit right in and it would have worked much better but anyway that's not what we get she recites history uh she has the interaction with uh zayden uh, Ryerson, she goes to see Dane. Dane wraps up her arm, and they're in her his room. And she, he's like, "Listen, Vi, when you're here, this place strips away all but what is basic to you, and you're still yourself, but you're different from when you came in." And because he's like, "Don't do this. This is dangerous. You, I don't want to see you get hurt." And she's like, "You think I can't do it? You think I made it across the parapet? You think?" And he's like, "Why do you want to do this?" And at this point, you're on Dane's side, like, "Girl, why you want to do this? You literally felt." on your knee and and now your kneecaps at risk of falling off like what are what are we doing there it's okay like why there are other options and outside of even the logic it would make her an active versus a passive character this is a character that does not do anything she just is like no i'm gonna keep doing this thing i don't it's like that thing in books where like people get really are, are really bad at murdering other people like in wrath and the dawn where she actually was just kept saying she was going to murder the prince and then was really bad she's like yeah. she's just a shitty assassin um and so at this point he's like okay fine we're gonna wrap up your knee and we'll get you back and then Rhiannon and is you're like gonna be real- part of my you're gonna be part of my squad with your friend Rhiannon and we're in second wing but no Zayden Ryerson during the assembly talks to some of the adults who will know he is the son of the man that her mother murdered, who doesn't much like the Sorengales, of which she is. And he's like, I want Sorengale squad in my wing. And the adults are like, yeah, no, that sounds about right. We're going to let that happen. Because at this point, everybody thinks Zayden wants to kill her. Everyone thinks that. But the, the, in this world, it, it's, it's, I don't really, I, I don't understand the obsession with being okay with killing. Like, this is not a world that's barbaric enough for that. It's like, how do they even have society that runs? I noticed, obviously, the pun in Sorengale, mm-hmm. but I did not realize I'm the a, writer's son. I am a Sorengale. Yeah, I hated it so much. She gets across, and then she's, like, immediately terrified because she's like, if he's my wing leader, 
that means he can make me do whatever he wants. And I have to listen to him, even if it like, cause like if uh, another squad, like someone in another squad tries to kill you, that's a problem. But if someone within your own squad kills, like you're not supposed to kill yourself, like within your own squads, you're not supposed to kill each other. But like, if your superior officer tells you to do something, you have to do it. And she's like, no, he's my superior officer. Oh, to know. So then uh, classes start. And um, she's going to battle brief or like it's after battle brief one morning. Question real quick. How old is she supposed to be? 20. She's 20. She's 20. Okay. Continue. So a huge thing we're going to run into with this character. And I'm just going to say it now is there are times where she talks like she's 15. Yeah, I know. That's why I I needed to pause for a sec to remember. And it's, and then there are moments where she makes more mature, like assumptions about things or connections. And I'm like, okay. And then she goes back to acting like she's 15. And it's just a really, it's the opposite effect of having a character who is 15, but acts like they're 25 or 35. And then here we have a character who is older and not that 20 is like 20 year old. You're still a baby. I was a baby at 20. Um, but, uh, it's just a little odd. Um, but anyway, so she, uh, she goes to class, but there's a point where she's with Dane. Cause Dane is walking her to class and like being very protective and they see Ryerson. Uh, Zayden and he's like you can't protect her forever Dane and and, and he's like "Uh, well I'm protecting her now and you're like oh this motherfucker wants to kill her how is nobody like no why why are the adults letting this happen why are they prioritizing Zayden and there's over her the general's daughter especially when we find out later that none of the adults actually like him like it's really weird but anyway and there's literally a point where dane's like run vi and like she runs to go to a place where there's a ton of people and it's just it's really dumb but anyway uh they they have classes she's really good at the academic stuff but she's not good at the fighting stuff because she's never actually been trained to fight um and so her one friend rhiannon is really good at fighting uh so her and rhiannon and this other guy decide to do like tutoring trading she'll help them with history they will help her with the heckin fighting of stuff uh and during her first sparring encounter it's with a uh one of the marked uh rebel uh children and it's this girl named imogen she's a second year and she, she has pink hair. Yeah. There's a lot of like pink haired, blue haired uh, people with side shaves. It's it's the book has a very, very modern aesthetic uh, and a modern idea. Like it's basically Renaissance fair clothing. It's it's Fantasylandia <laughs> at its bestest. Yeah. Um, at its mostest. At its mostest. And um, but also with the modern trappings of like colored hair and stuff like that. So again, I think this book and and tell me if you think this would have worked. I think this book would have worked better if it was just our world, but with dragons and you could join the military for a dragon ring. A thousand percent. It would make so much more sense. I just still wouldn't like the book though that much. Like as I don't, but I think it would fix all the world building problems. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, yeah. If you take away that aspect completely, then it's not an issue. Here's my question. How do they have indoor plumbing? I and, know. And the, she refers to atoms and some other scientific concepts, but they don't have firearms. Their most advanced technology when it comes to weapons is a crossbow. Is a crossbow. How do you have indoor plumbing, motherfuckers? But you, you don't, don't have, have a firearms. Firearms. Like, what are we doing? What the fuck? You want me to believe in this world? Get the fuck out of here. I'm so angry. <laughs> yeah, no, that I know. I like the part where it's like, oh, she points it out too at one point. I don't remember what she's saying, but she's like, and to think something, something in the time of indoor plumbing. And I'm like, 
how do they have like what kind of indoor plot? Like, are we talking like the the holes you shit in and then like it goes out the side of the building? Because I could believe that, but it didn't say. Yeah, the refillable ink pen that you can power with magic. Yeah, that was okay ish. That's t- why do you need that? To oh, magic? why is it even a detail though in general? Yes, but it is. It's supposed to characterize her as a scribe, but it doesn't do anything really for me. I know, but like just from a world building premise, why refilling pens is not that big of a deal, guys? Also, you <laughs> haven't discovered pencils. Also, a good point. And and again, they have or like charcoal, dragon which- lights. We'll get into how little ma- the magic system makes sense. It's very X Meny in terms of just like. Oh, we're just going to have random powers that people can have. And we're not going to think about really how they integrate in the world, except for like one dude. It's funny because I read the first sex scene while my brother, uh, his girlfriend and Steven were watching the end of the first X-Men movie. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, I I'm, I'm not. I'm not joking. That's and so it was funny. so funny because she had just done her lightning moment, which I'd also read during the end of the first X-Men movie. So like there was a point where Storm was like, Wah! and then she did lightning. And then, and I, it was hysterical because I kept, yeah, every time they used leverage during that sex scene, I was like, why are they using leverage? So, like, Alex, <laughs> Kalia, and Steven all know how terrible. I read parts of it aloud to them. So, <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was it was a nice bonding over bad writing. Anyway, during her first challenge, Imogen is pissed. She's like, fuck you, Soren Gale. I'm going to kill you. And you're like, great. We can add another person to the list of people who just wants to kill this bitch. Um, but she, they're fighting and... Violet does not want to yield because it'll put a target on her back as a weak. Side note, uh, did you guys notice, is it just me, but um, you know uh, her good friend, it starts with an R. Rhiannon. Rhiannon. You know how when they cross the parapet and then uh, Zayden, uh, or before they cross the parapet or something, Zayden like is, you know, talking to them mm-hmm. or whatever. And then he was like, and you're with her, or he says something, and it makes it seem like he knows her. Rhiannon, yeah. Yeah, but then it never does anything with that. I, I thought they were going to be siblings. I thought they were going to just be childhood friends or something. Yeah, I, okay, thank you. Yeah. I, that, that was like just a dropped subplot oh, out of nowhere. It's so funny that you mentioned that. I completely forgot, but you're right. That's exactly what I was happened. expecting it to be his little sister or something. something. And, I, and I was like, oh, so this is how she proves to him that, that she's not a piece of shit like her mom. No, never happens. No. Anyway, uh, but Imogen basically during their fight because she won't yield, even though 50% of all people on the first day of fighting have to yield because that's how fucking fights work. <laughs> She's like, I can't yield. It'll put a target on my back. Like half of the population is yielding. Violent. I know. Sure but she pushes herself to the point where Imogen literally pulls her shoulder and dislocates and rips the ligaments of her shoulder. Like her shoulder's just like hanging. It like snaps. It's, there's a snap. It's a whole, whole thing. And Dane is super pissed and takes her off to the infirmary. And this is the point where we meet, like, the head healer who is married to a dragon rider who is a mender. Who's like, Violet, oh my god, why are you in the dragon quadrant? And they're like, no, you should not be doing this. This is insane. Shall we talk to you? And then they're like, oh, it's your mother. And I'm like, does everybody know her mother's a homicide? Like, why are we letting this lady run anything? I know, she just sounds like she would have been so much better off anywhere else besides she knows the medical people she knows the scribe she knows the staff everywhere why would she but the the medical people also because one of the things i want to talk about is thea had a friend um who wrote a uh lt holmes uh 
guest post and and did uh, an analysis of this book from the lens of toxic perseverance, which is something that people uh, in that it happens in representation a lot of the time and is just something that people with disabilities, whether it is physical, uh, like uh, educational, uh, uh, chronic illness, anything deal with, which is toxic perseverance. If you just try hard enough and if you push yourself enough, you can do it. <laughs> there aren't things that are actually limiting you and making it hard for you to do that. You're just not trying hard enough. And this book is a huge, huge, giant. Uh, That's because she drops the disability altogether. She doesn't even, it's no, not even she, a part of it. I highlighted in the last. Third. No, there's a lot. There's a lot. But what I mean is she doesn't actually use it. There, the whole point with the saddle, there's literally a point where somebody says just because your body is different doesn't mean you shouldn't stay like and so like it literally comes up throughout the book to be fair she continuously does fail and fall off that she never solves that issue there's two things one is that she is usually able to overcome things just by working hard at them like that's about 50 percent of how she does things which falls into that trope because it's like okay it's not a thing your body can't do it's if you grit your teeth you can get it done she also likes to talk about how she's more the pain yeah she's used to the pain so she can ignore it kind of and it acts sort of like a weird superpower but also i don't understand how it makes sense she still has the baseline level of pain so that would just be pain on top of the pain she already has it's not like that part never quite made sense to me the other problem is that the author actually kind of ignores that she has this disability outside of moments of i gotta work harder at it um like so there's not shown to be chronic pain throughout the rest of her day. She's not constantly sore. She's not looking for any kind of like release from this pain during normal times. We're told that that's something she's dealt with. She mentions it as something and her mom literally said she's dealt with more pain this morning than you've dealt with your it entire been life. But so, it never comes up. It would have been so nice uh, as an option if we were given that throughout the entire novel where like there are mornings where she has to I forget what I remember reading something that was similar to this that did this where it was like a character that had issues with their body I don't remember what it was but um like where she has to get up early extra early in the morning so that way she can rub in like some type of cream or something that helps numb things or so like whatever it is that's gonna medicinal wise and then towards the end when we get towards the end like something happens where like or maybe in the middle whatever there's an interaction where another character like just you know beats the shit out of her or something or like stabs her and she's just like you know like not that i'm in pain all the time i can overcome this but it's just like she has like a hulk moment you know what i mean that's the secret cap i'm always in pain <laughs> like and you know it's just it's interesting because it doesn't really permeate her being later on there's a very uh strenuous uh, sex scene in which she never thinks about like, oh, this is actually kind of an uncomfortable angle, despite all the leverage, as Maria said, that the guy is getting. Um, and so that's kind of the thing is, and it's really interesting because the the um, author apparently also suffers from chronic pain. And so this just goes to show that, as I've said so many times on this podcast, um, just because you have a thing doesn't mean you're good at representing that thing. Just because you are a race or ethnicity does not mean you're good at portraying it. It does not feel like it's really part of her character. It really feels just like a Naruto, like, oh, I just have to fight through this to get through it kind of moment. Ganbate, yeah. you can do exactly. this. Exactly. It, it literally just feels like, oh, you just, like, like oh, you just never trained. And if you just trained your muscles. Rock you Lee. 
all he had to do was attach million pound. <laughs> he took off the to- weights, and yeah, exactly. and now he's going. No, and it's 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 like that the whole book again. The, you know, your body has very specific limits um, in a way that people don't seem to realize. Like, if you don't exercise regularly and you try to do something really strenuous, you will just rip a tendon, and like that's just all there is to it. You will have chronic pain. Like that's how it works. Also, they have weightlifting. That's like. Just a normal modern weightlifting. Well, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you laugh when I brought it up earlier? Sorry. The, the freaking thigh machine. Like, <laughs> literally, like, the thigh, like, the thing that works your butt. We're not going to mention it every time, but, like, this comes up. This is just a pattern throughout the book. And it's also kind of dumb, because it's not, well, it's... The borders of her are weird. Like, she's like, I can't wield a sword. But then she's, like, super good at wielding daggers. Even though she's never trained for it, except for yeah. the past six months. She's great at throwing dra- daggers. Excellent. And her agility is off the charts, magically. Anyway, but so back to the reason I mentioned this now is because when she goes to see the healers, there's literally a comment about how like she's she's gotten hurt enough that she has had to see a mender her entire life. Like, and menders are like, because there's like the healers, which are just like, here, let me wrap it up in a poultice and like give you a splint. And then the menders will magically fix your body. Um, and she's seen, she's gotten injured enough to the point that she's needed a mender and not a healer enough in her whole life that she knows them really well. And that on its own should tell you, like, this this woman is setting up a disability that gets treated rather cavalierly, um, un- unfortunately, because I do think there are really cool things you could have done in this setting, but it doesn't actually happen. Anyway... So they go to the healer. She gets mended. Um, and uh, at this point, again, uh, Dane is like, let me get you out of here. I can I can try to get you. Like, don't let him heal you. We'll use this as an opportunity to, to get you out of here. And she's like, no, I can do it. I uh, My mom's just going to send me back here anyway, but you don't think I can do it. And he's like, uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look at you. Also, this is going to be some bullshit later. Because, again, he tries to keep getting her out. And I think it's at this point and then later he's like, okay, I have a secret plan to get you to the school. And then later in the book, it'll be like, oh no, he would never bend a single rule. He would never break a single rule. This is a defining trait of his character. You know how you know how we spoke about character assassination in the second book of Akatar? That's what happened to poor Dano boy, like halfway through. No, no, no. So the thing is, the Akatar or Akamoff. Akamfar? I don't remember what the second Akamaf. Akamaf. Um the 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 Comparison there is actually really apt because this book does the same thing, but it combines the two books together from the beginning and that actually causes more problems. So where Tamlin was like an okay character who then got character assassinated, here Dane starts off as a character who's half assassinated. Like the thing about Dane is that you can tell from the beginning he has some toxic tendencies, but also like the author clearly is biased against him weirdly enough. And so you kind of feel like the author is both You both don't like Dane, but also feel like the author is being unfair to him at the same time. Again, those two arcs are just smushed together. And then with Zayden, Zayden is like, um, uh, Rysand. If he does the Rysand in book two thing of I'm a feminist, I let you do active things and have agency and don't try to protect you overly, but at the same time, and still really possessive and try to protect you a lot. Also, I will do things that violate your physical autonomy and your personal space and agency, but I do them because I am protecting you and the narrative will validate that. Except in the, f- in Akatar, it's 
she wrote him as a bad person in book one, and then in book two tried to retcon the things he did as okay. In this one, it's the same book. It's the at the book. same time she's retconning the things he does. As it happens. They finish off with the healers. Oh my god, we gotta fast forward I know, I know, this. I know. A lot doesn't happen in this book, though, is the thing. Basically, she goes to class. She becomes, like, really well-known for the academic stuff. She uh, trains up. Uh, she's getting training with her uh, friend, Rhiannon. Uh, the next major thing that happens is this thing called the gauntlet. Uh, and basically, her squad has kind of developed friendships. There is this one guy in her squad named Oren, who's like kind of okay with her, but kind of looks down upon her uh, because she has a good relationship with Dane, who's their squad leader. But he's also become friends with Jack Barlow, which is that guy that wants to kill her. And so, like, there's a bunch of like murder, like vague murder attempts that happen to her. But oh, uh, she gets a book from her sister that basically has like clues. It's from her older brother that has clues of how, like how to do stuff well in the academy. And one of them is they have a place where they keep all the challenges for the week and you can go see who you're going to have to fight and then you can work against them. And so basically our girl who the only book she bought with her brought with her conveniently was a book on poisoning. Um, <laughs> Because uh, she she knew that she was, but she did it on purpose. Yes, like that yes. makes sense. She she was going to play to her strengths, and her strengths are not the physicality kind. Um, and so she brought a book on poisoning, and she basically uses the the information from her brother's book to go find out who her challenges are. And then she gets kitchen duty, and she just keeps poisoning everyone she fights. <laughs> everyone she fights either gets a headache, gets sick, gets a stomachache, like everyone and nobody's like wow it's really <laughs> weird that Maria, everyone what makes you think fight? they would give a fuck when there's other people murdering other people that there's just not even any like baseline for this to matter but it, it's insane that every because here's the thing everybody expects her to lose so even if you're just another student who's around, you'd be like, why does she keep winning? Why does everyone, like, Zayden should not be the only one who is like, wow, everyone no. she fights falls down sick. <laughs> Crazy the day she fights them. Actually, sometimes halfway through the battle, she's fighting them in wow something must be nobody notices she gets away with this but one day while she's out in the forest getting uh some Berry berries things. to poison people with she sees Satan Ryers and all the other rebels children meeting up in a secret meeting because they're not allowed to there's a, a law that states that there's not allowed to be a gathering of more than just three uh rebel uh children at the same time uh, and she, she's in this tree and there's like eight of them just under the tree. And she's like, oh my God, are they plotting heresy? Uh, and so she like scooches herself down the and tree. And then she's like, nah, it's just a club meeting. And they're just like, it's like a therapy group. It's like a support group. It's, it's a PTSD support group. They're, they're people all from the exact same region, which is up on the, the border of the... Uh, their nation um and they're all from the same area and they're all like people who grew up together and they're basically like you know he's a third year and some of his other third years are like how can we help what do you need help with um and it's just like a support group she was picking the berries from the tree or whatever it is that she was getting for the poison she was getting from high in the tree yeah that's exactly what was happening. So, and the thing is, at one point, one of the younger kids was like, I don't know if I can do this. I can't do this. And I, I got to not do this or have to go away or something. And Zayden is like, I have no use for you. It's only people who fight. Tough. I'm tough. I'm ruthless, which is then going to go completely against his personality later in the book. But whatever. Also, side note, like, unless they're really like i don't know if they're keeping track it's because it doesn't really say if they're keeping track of all the rebels like that they're in there but couldn't he just like 
have squirreled him, like, faked a death and then squirreled him away to the Griffin Riders. Like, oh, spoiler. But, like, you know, couldn't he have just gone off to another village? Yeah, they literally could have just tried. Like, he could be smuggling the kids out through that. And that's actually why he has not for some fucking, I mean, maybe weapon stuff, too. But why isn't he just ferreting away Pete? And then all the uh, higher ups are like, yes, all the rebel kids are dying. Perfect. Just according to plan. And meanwhile, Zayden's like actually rescuing everyone piece by piece. No, that's not what happens. That's it's not a great dark, idea, though. Katie. Wow. It's it's like you, ha- you had a, a good idea thing missing from this book <laughs> regularly. Anyway, <laughs> continuing. So uh, she talks to Zayden and she's like, are you going to kill me? And he was like, are you going to tell about what you saw? And she was like, nah, it looks like you guys were just helping each other. There's nothing like, I mean, yes, is this meeting illegal? Yeah, but nothing you were doing was bad. So nah, you're fine. And he was like, well, then I guess I owe you a favor. And she's like, you're not going to kill me. And he's like, I'll deal with you in my own time and you're like he's obviously not gonna kill her this would have been the perfect time nobody would have ever they would have found her he could have made it look like she fell out of the tree and died so immediately any any tension about this guy wanting to kill her (laughs) and this is in the first third of the book baby gone 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 tension what tension what tension (laughs) two points first of all shadows are so op in fiction his ability by the way his magical ability is he can control shadows what does a shadow do in real life maria Katie, what, name something a shadow can do in real life. Provide, provide from shade sun. from the sun. Yeah. Oh, you mean it can't listen, it can't move things, it can't create blades? What is this bullshit in fiction where shadows can just do anything? OP, they get too good of press, we need to bring shadows back down to size. I'm just okay if it can create darkness and you can blind people, especially if you could do isolated where you can just have an entire person's head, like just their head or like their dragon that they're riding just covered their head in darkness done that's all you need that's the only thing that power needs to do everything else is unnecessary and dumb the other thing to talk about is that at this point they're very in their like ust he's sneering but also he's like he he's the kind of bitchy boy i hate more than anything in the entire world where it's like it's not just that they have they have like banter it's like he's banter where like he makes her blush and he's like oh like he's control he's it's almost like a seductive manipulativeness that that is supposed to be attractive i don't quite know how to explain it but it's a very specific type of female wish fulfillment in their character in the in the male protagonist that i really hate and the thing about it is it defangs him really quickly like maria said there is no tension really because we know he's just doing this because he he's all about her as a character he doesn't have his own things he's doing and they're just clashing because of their personalities he is actively like kind of trying to seduce her almost and like is protective of her so also, look, look, guys. We have to, we have to count yes. our blessings that we didn't get the cut. <laughs> <laughs> the thousand chittering birds. That's the one I was thinking of from Chatumbo. They part ways, and there's a point where, like, uh, her sparring person for the week uh, is not like doesn't come. Like, the, it, something happened, and that person. <laughs> it, oh, oh, they get sick too soon. Like, she poisoned them and it hit too soon, so she no longer has anyone to challenge, and. Um, Zayden's like, oh, I'll fill in this week. And the the guy who's in charge knows Zayden is like the like just really good student and is like, yeah, that's fine. And everybody's like, no, he's gonna kill you. And she's like, oh no. And like it is a like he is wiping the floor with her and she's like, but his pecs, oh my god, look at look at his chisel chest. I'm dying. You're like, 
madam focus up maybe if you could get your head out of your clit for a second oh jesus fuck please don't say that again (laughs) but during the scene uh there's a point where she like goes to stab him somewhere and he's like why are you going like why are you doing that there's a lot of better places for you to hit me and he basically says like you could get my kidney from this angle oh god this was where it is he goes um a a hit to the kidney would have fit uh really well in this position and she's like i had to keep myself from thinking what else would have fit really well in this position (laughs) (laughs) and i I was like I was I like, know. why? Why is this happening? And that's why I say this is a bodice ripper, okay? Like, me. this is not high brow. No, no. Bodice it's rippers aren't 20 hours long. The big things that are coming up is the gauntlet and the threshing. The gauntlet is a bunch of tasks that are supposed to simulate things you're going to deal with as a dragon rider. Ninja warrior. It's American ninja warrior. And depending on how fast your squad finishes that is the order in which you get presented to the dragons for presentation day. Um presentation day is when there's just all the dragons who are willing to have a bond with a human um are like let me let me look at the selection this yes, year let's let, let, let's see what the options are and you just walk in front of the dragons if the dragons don't like you or think you're an asshole they'll just, they'll kill just you. burn you to death right then and there this already happened when they first got there the dragons flew down to be in front of them and one of the kids ran screaming and the dragons burned them dragons can just murder people and it's treated as fine uh, the dra- way the dragons work in this book is bizarre. Also, though, Lindbergh said, and I think this is a really good point, knife to the throat is hot because, like, imagine his knife is his cock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> imagine if somebody stuck their dick, like, right like this. I mean, literally on your neck, like this, like a knife. Or just the tip. Just the tip. Yeah. <laughs> Straight there. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> I'm fine. This is fine. Anyway, she has to get through the gauntlet, but oh no, she's too small. Uh, oh, that, that this happens before the scene where her and Zayden fight. She's she's too. There's literally a portion of it that she's too short. Like she manages to get through all the rest of it. Like, uh, but there's one part that she just cannot get past because it, she needs to be longer to be able to climb up this thing. And when she has that fight with uh, Zayden, and he's like you're thinking about things the correct way you need to there are other ways to get through something outside of the uh like textbook way and she was like i shall use that to deal with and so it's presentation day she's still never gotten past the entire gauntlet uh but she's like i'm going to use the advice he gave me uh, and be creative about this and she manages to like use a rope to go up the thing and i'm like you didn't think of that before asshole (laughs) you're supposed to be smart like what what the heck and then there's this other thing that she has to get up and she uses her knife to like climb her way up. Long story short, she's successful. She's successful. The problem with this is, first of all, this kind of goes into, this may seem like it's not part of that toxic perseverance trope because she finds another way of doing it. But it is because it's basically like she worked really hard and found, there's no hard limits to what her body can do. And there's no respect for maybe she needs to take another route to do it, not just in the short term, but in the long term. Like, so later we'll... um, well, the whole dragon saddle thing will come up. But, like, in general, there's no understanding that, like, maybe your body can't do something if you can't either grit your teeth through it or think of some kind of weird physics thing that really should have just actually done you more damage because your ligaments and bone and, and joints are weak, supposedly, but you still swing yourself up with a dagger. Like, there's only one thing in the entire book that she continuously doesn't do well, and they have to give her uh, an accommodation for uh that is within the rules of the school and it 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 really fits into the whole uh toxic perseverance thing and it's really like and and she is made responsible for her own 
accommodations in a lot of it. It is not something that like other, it's only halfway through the book that Zayden starts getting like super involved with her stuff. There's also no commentary. She doesn't think about how like, hey, this system is kind of fucked up. They should be giving me more accommodations or maybe like I shouldn't have done this. It's always treated as like when Dane is like, you know, you're going to have a lot of trouble doing this. Like this may not be the best choice. It's like, oh, he's coddling me. He doesn't think I can do it. Yeah, again, and that's the thing. He doesn't think I can do it. That's part of that toxic perseverance concept. It's funny. I saw a video about disability where somebody was talking, like it was a, a meme uh, or a reel on uh, in Instagram or TikTok, but I saw it on Instagram and it was basically that you're either not disabled enough where like people will be like, oh, you didn't seem disabled. Like, oh, you seem like, and then like you talk about all the things and then when you talk about like the things you want accommodations for or things and they're like, oh, no, 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 you're not disabled enough to need. Why should I, why should I make allowances or exceptions for you? Um, and it's something that this book really kind of feeds into in, with that. And it, it's, it, this part of it is not so, there's a lot that's not great. It's just, it's a symptom. <laughs> it's a symptom of a greater problem. But anyway, so she gets through presentation. Only one guy gets burned. Uh, during presentation, there is a tiny, tiny little dragon that's called a feather tail. And feather tails are known. They're super rare. People rarely ever see them outside of the veil, which is the secret dragon place that and the dragons go for to. for some reason, Jack Barlow is like, yeah, it looks weak. Let's kill it. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, let's go kill, like, this dragon amongst other dragons. And I'll definitely be picked by another dragon. And it, it, we're not even at that point. We're just at the point where, like, that one annoying girl who was like super annoying the first third of the oh, and you gets she's burned, yeah. Um, because she's like, Wow, what a weird dragon! All these dragons, like, and it that was kind of funny, yeah. It was. <laughs> I that, that I, I enjoyed her dying, I didn't like her. There was a lot of people I wish would have just died by dragon fire, but it's fine, anyway. So, um, during the presentation, she sees this uh tiny gold dragon. Um, and everybody's talking crap about it. And, but they make it through, the majority of them make it through presentation just fine. They're getting ready to go uh, to the threshing, which is October 1st. Here's another point. Why are they using a flipping uh... Gregorian calendar? Why do they have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? <laughs> like, why are they using our. <laughs> Just make, just put it in our world. Just make our world a world that has military dragons. Just make the dragons part of the military. And I see what you're getting at with that school. comment now. Yeah, like just, just do it. You could have everything else, just maybe not the magic part, and and you can do, you can, the book can be the same. I promise. You mean temeraire, <laughs> but like modern? Yes. October first comes, um, and it is threshing day. And during threshing day, she's out and about, and she sees the tiny like she's just looking for dragons. And basically, what it is is, if you feel a pull, you should follow it. It'll lead you to a dragon, or you just stumble upon a dragon, and you hope they either bond with you or don't kill you. Uh, and she's managed to make it through, and they basically just throw you into an arena, like the halo, <laughs> Jake. The halo, Jake. The bond, Jake. Uh, and that's that's basically what's happening. They throw you into like uh, a dragon infested area, and like good luck. And this is a time where uh, if you have a vendetta against another student, anything that happens during threshing is like considered okay. Nobody's gonna get in trouble for it again. Nobody's gotten in trouble for anything so far. But also, like, why would you let other? Because here's the thing: if you're a military, you want the most kids to come out of this bonded to dragons. That's the goal here. Uh, that you need this for your defenses. So you want to heighten your chances. Letting people kill other people on threshing day makes zero sense. Also, older uh, writers and uh, people at the school cannot help. They're not allowed to. They can observe, but they cannot step in. Anyway, there's a point where she's 
kind of going through hoping like to not die or bond you know whatever happens and she hears jack fucking barlow and then <laughs> two guys from her squad uh that she knows one of which is that orange dude i mentioned um uh, and they're like, we have to kill that little dragon because it, we don't like it. If we, if it bonds with someone, it will be because there's this huge thing about being the weakest link in the wing. But that doesn't being, make any sense. Being a risk to the wing as a whole, um, and so you just have to get rid of the weakest link. And they're like, this dragon is the weakest link. And even though, from what they understand, the dragons in this world, the feather tails never bond at anyone. They so it doesn't never, matter. They so, just want to go kill something. Exactly. And so they're, they're, the logic she is giving them, which is they're doing this to keep it from bonding with someone and making it a weak, because uh, this dragon is too small for anyone to ride it, which means it's like smaller than a horse, which makes no sense giving the scale of the other <laughs> dragons. Like, what do you mean it's smaller than a horse? Like a horse can ride, it can have people on it. But anyway, this one's too small. And so the fact that Feathertails never bond anyone means that these guys worry. And this is what I mean where this author is not putting a lot of thought into the internal logic. Um, because Oren and the other character are shown to be semi-reasonable. Jack Barlow is obviously a homicidal man maniac. Um, but the other ones have been reasonable at other points, which means that they should either be saying they don't ever bond with anyone or that these characters in this moment legitimately think this is good reasoning, which means the author thinks in that moment it is a good enough reason to give her villains to do. Uh, and it just isn't. It's very weak. But anyway, so they, they're going to go kill the little gold dragon. And she's like, oh, they're heading into the direction of the clearing where I saw the little gold dragon. She's like, I can't let them do this. And she like races into the clearing and she's like, run, gold dragon, get out of here. Fly, fly. And the gold dragon's like, Okay, bruh. <laughs> Just not doing nothing. And then the, the guys come in and they, they go into like a flanking formation. And they're like, oh, two for one weakest link. Let's go. And she's like, fly dragon. And she takes out her daggers and she's like ready to go. And she like throws the daggers at one person. But she always goes for non-lethal shots. They end up having like a fight. And then all of a sudden there is uh, Zayden and his giant uh, dagger tail, dagger tail dragon named Sigale. And Sigale is like the baddest of the bad. Congratulations. You gave the most high profile son of a traitor, the most powerful dragon. Good job. This is how you oppress. Sigale and uh, Zayden. And Zayden's like, I wouldn't do that if I were you guys. I would not try to kill that dragon. And then they were like, you can't do anything, Ryerson. It's against the rules. And then he was like, I don't have to do anything, but she's not uh, bound by our rules so immediately in that moment those guys should have just fucking run yeah they should have fucking run no they continue trying to fight her and there's a point <laughs> there's a point at which uh uh zayden takes a step forward as if he's going to step in but then descending from the sky is a giant black dragon earlier in history and dragon kind class <laughs> they they gave a lesson about the baddest dragon unbonded currently there it is a black dragon with a mace tail and also it's tragic because its rider had died during the rebellion thing and dragons like oh they get traumatized when the riders die and they don't like to rebond and so it's a super special dragon yeah because he he was not gonna ever rebond nobody thought so like they didn't even think he was on the table for bonding but all of a sudden out of the sky comes the big black badass dragon uh, and he like puts himself around the little baby gold dragon and is like fuck y'all and then immediately just start talks talking to her girl violet's head and you're like she just got the baddest dragon like she just she heroed her way into like defending this little dragon that this big dragon obviously liked 
okay. And and so they're bonded, and she's like, oh my god. And then the dragon, like, decimates some shit, and uh, Oren is, like, passed out beneath her, and he's like, you should kill her, silver one. And she's like, why are you calling She has silver in her hair. Remember, guys, I, I mentioned that she has silver in her hair earlier. He's gonna call her silver one forever. Just be prepared. And he's like, you should kill her. Or kill him. And then she's like, no, I, I won't do that. Hopefully that we can move past this and everything. And he's like, okay, well, let's see how it goes. And then he was like, get on my back. She has trouble. And one of the things you learn, and it's it's it, one of the justifications this book has for not having people in saddles, which is the dragons do not like assisting their riders. We are never shown a single dragon that once bonded is cruel or mean to their rider they are all loving and doting yeah like what the hell was up with that and and but no our big black back big bad black dragon he is especially accommodating because he knows she can't get up on him by himself so he puts a foreleg out so she can climb up but i got other the vibe dragons. that it was supposed to be like he was so old and wizened or something but it didn't like because he's like oh, i'm over a hunt or something i don't know he throws his age around yeah and uh, and that's what i thought at first i was like oh he's just older so maybe he's like more mature or something but no like well we don't even get any other dragons no. literally there are no other dragons but, but besides. there are there are other points remember there's that point where that one girl is going to get killed and her dragon tries to protect her oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so everything we see of dragons and their riders is the dragons being protective and possessive why would they not want to make things easier for their riders but no we are the book tells us that dragons only want strong resourceful riders they will not lower themselves like they're they, very noble yes. like overly like arrogant creatures they but then not. it never like is poor that's a great point yep. i didn't even think about i that. did they will not they will not debase themselves for anyone let's talk about problems with dragons number part one in this book so the way that the dragons are portrayed is incredibly stupid first of all you only are allowed to talk to dragons who you have a mind bond with and nobody else is really allowed to talk about their dragons with anyone's so there are just these sentient war beasts that everybody has a personal relationship to but isn't really part of the rest they don't communicate or interact with the rest of the military or the other dragon writers so this is basically the author's way of not having to write them and so the thing about it is it's never explained why these sentient dragons allow themselves to be ridden. Yeah, somebody literally just said, why do they, why don't the dragons enslave humanity? Not once is it explained why they do this. They also have their own society with their own things going on that they don't want the humans to know about. Never explained why they allow the humans to do this. Also, humans get really powerful magic from bonding with a dragon. Why do the dragons allow this? That's a really good question. So, there is one line, she, it's a giveaway line, and it's the same complaint I made, you know, in Dune when I made the comment that, like, him deciding he wanted to be emperor is made in that one throwaway line in that one scene and then not, not brought it up again until the end. Because you were like, well, it is mentioned. And I was like, not enough for it to stick around. He has a whole scene where he plots to be, uh, uh, I was going to say president, emperor, but go ahead. There is a line where it says that the the reasons the dragons do this is they are trying to protect the veil, which is a sacred space for them. They cannot channel, they like they can't get the magic power thingies themselves and they cannot use the magic themselves. So to be able to be a defensive offensive force with magic they have to bond with humans to get this access to that side of the powers and it's a, it's a throwaway line L listen it, it is an explanation for this but it is a throwaway line that never comes up again it's not like the dragons are like ah uh, yes we cannot do anything on our own and thus we need you like so that actually makes it dumber because why wouldn't the dragons think of their humans then as sort of like 
their uh, like a gun that they get to control why aren't they a part of the government there like it's never really treated like the dragons again it, it would make so much more sense if the dragons were like awesome i now have a magical turret on me you have to do what i say though because i'm larger than you and all of your power comes from me there's no reason that the dragons wouldn't be dominant in this that is how it's sold to us it is sold to us that the dragons are a dominant creature but all of our interactions with dragons are dragons that are emotionally invested in their writers that care deeply about their writers and like i said protective and possessive that does not work with everything else we've been told about the dragons uh, and the dragon once you uh bond with the dragon they get to tell you their name their full name that only you know and his is ternanoch um and uh, which is a badass dragon name i'm not gonna lie is, but uh and he says you can call me Taren, and that's what everybody else around uh them gets to know him as uh but anyway uh he was like get on my back and she like has a hard time getting on and staying on and he's like oh you can't keep your seat so he uses some of his because he does have access to like some magic he uses some of his magic just to hold her into her uh, seat and uh, they they fly uh, back to the, like she falls because she's like no don't do that and he's like okay and he fall she falls but he catches her they go to the place where all the people who got dragons and like she shows up on the biggest of the bad and they're like holy shit Violet you got and her mom's there and her mom is absolutely not uh, not there, nothing like, happens with if, her mother if her mom had really just wanted like if her mom really was like I know you can be a good dragon rider like you're a soaring gale I know you can do this this would be her for a moment to be like see I was right you got the baddest but no her mom doesn't her mom even is, care she's just continuously disappointed again madam if if you wanted to kill your daughter just kill your daughter I, I guarantee you, you could have gotten away with it. I promise. Con anyway, continuing. Uh, but when they get there and she goes up to give the name, because uh, you have to give your name and your dragon's name to the person who keeps all that stuff. And she's like, uh, I'm Violet Sorengale and my dragon is Ternanoch. And then there's a voice in her ear and was like, and me. My What's her? I don't know. It doesn't matter. The little golden dragon. The feather tail. Amarna, uh, I think was it. Anyway, uh, so basically the little tiny feather, gold feather tail is like, I'm bonded with her too. And she's like, I have two dragons. And like, there, it causes this whole upper or the humans are like, no, you can't have two dragons. That's too many dragons uh, for one person. And then uh, the dragons themselves, because like, again, humans can't actually control what dragons do or and don't Donna. do. Uh, and Donna. Um and so uh, the dragon council meets and basically was like, nah, she can have two dragons. If the, if the dragons want to do it, we don't, we don't care. Um, and so she, she gets to bond two dragons. Here's my problem. I would have preferred if she had just bonded with uh, Andarna. Yes. Like, and that had just been, and, and it was a, sm a small dragon who eventually like she, she does, is able to ride. Like I would have made Andarna a little bit bigger, made it so she can ride her, but it's not a combat dragon. This no. dragon is not, but can be used maybe for um, reconnaissance. reconnaissance or other ways. Like, like we're not, I would, that's what I thought this, that was where it was going. Yes. And that you were going to like, she was going to make her own path within the rider's quadrant that uh, suited her and her dragon's uh, abilities. Uh, no, she gets two dragons. And it's just so OP. And so like, you are such a special Mary Sue. <laughs> it's so completely, people overuse that term. It is such a Mary Sue moment that not only does she get the baddest, bad, tragic dragon, but also the special magical dragon. And also I need to point out that Andarna is really dumb because she's really innocent throughout everything. And like, I would have liked it so much more if she was just like innocently savage. Like, 
Why can't I flame those people? Like, I don't get it. I want to fight like, um, like a Skierka when she's young, Maria. No, that would have been great. I would have loved that. And then it's a story about how, uh, Violet, violence is teaching Andarna about humanity. And then Andarna is teaching Violet about violence. So <laughs> or just or just even the, the two of them just finding their own way within their like, yes. s- limitations, but being as uh, resourceful and uh, you like, there's I so would have many preferred Andarna not to be a child either. Yes. I would have preferred her to be like youthful, maybe and or undergrown. Uh, spoiler alert. What we eventually find out is that Andarna is actually all feather tails are just juvenile dragons and they're usually not allowed to go and bond, but for some reason she did. Um, and also because of that, her magic is like that, that um, what's her face can channel violence can channel is like, completely anything can happen with it. They stop time at one point or two points, I think with it. And so it's like, it's even more magical and OP. And they don't just channel. So I'm going to explain this really quick. So first off, I have to explain the reason we keep saying violence is because Zayden starts calling Violet violence, (laughs) which is the dumbest nickname. Thanks. I hate it. It's fine. Whatever. It's so dumb because she's not actually that violent. It's tongue in cheek, whatever. Um, but he means it seriously. He's like, you're much more like uh, my nickname. Like, anyway, yeah, I know. Continuing. But uh, the whole thing about... So initially, it's just a big deal because, number one, a feather tail has never bonded anyone. But number two, nobody has ever had two dragons at the same time. What you learn, though, like we said, the dragon, uh, the feather tails are baby dragons who have not yet developed... Because they categorize dragons by their tails. Um as well as color for personality and stuff. Um, but the way the dragons work is that you can channel magic through them. And now the majority of the magic you can do uh, through channeling is like, I can unlock a door, I can throw up a ward, I can put up a small shield, I can um, little tie, I can make some mage lights, that kind of stuff, like that practical magic, we'll call it. But through channeling from your dragon, you develop a power that is unique to you. It, it, it is powered by your dragon's magic, but it is uh, dependent on the person. So just because, uh, so for instance, Taryn's uh, previous writer was able to, oh, he was able to put power into other people or take power. Like he was a siphoner, a siphoner. Um, but that doesn't mean that she's going to have the same powers. And it just literally, you're not going to have the same powers as someone else. It depends on who you are as a person. So for instance, Dane can uh, touch people and then see their recent memories. We already talked about old Zayden and his shadow magic abilities. The cut. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so your power that you get from your dragon is dependent on you. Now, what you learn about the feather tails, the Beppa dragons, is they can just give you, when, they're ba- when you're a baby dragon, you get extra powers that you lose when you're older um, that are specific controllable powers. So again, like we mentioned, the other dragons, they can do, like, they have magical energy magic, and they can, like, spit fire and stuff, but they can't, like, control shadows, do that other stuff. Their humans do that. But as babies... They have extra, so Andarna's power is she can stop time for periods of time. And uh, the way it works with the baby dragons is once bonded, she can just give her power to um, uh, Violet. And Violet is like getting that power through Andarna. So it's not the same method, but it also means you can drain the dragon because she's literally taking the power from the dragon and so if the rest of the military knew they would go find feather tails and drain them for their benefit and so they're like shh don't tell anyone but then they just die 
yeah. But anyway, listen, this that's so, uh, but we don't <laughs> learn that right now. She bonds with the two dragons. Everybody's like, okay, you get to have two dragons. She starts flight training uh, with Taryn. She has a really hard time staying on her dragon. Uh, and then this thing happens where Zayden suddenly gets really involved in her life. Why do you ask? Because Zayden's dragon is bo- uh, mated to Terranoff. Um, and the mating bond is even stronger than the, uh, like, rider dragon bond, which is already pretty strong. And so, like, these two, they're, they can't go a couple of days without being around each other, which means she is going to be around Zayden forever. They're going to have to get stationed in the same places when they're older. It also means if she dies and it kills Tern, then it will kill Zayden's dragon and then he'll die. Because here's a, a, a rule we haven't mentioned. A rider without a dragon will die. You're just dead. A dragon, if their rider dies, it's can, a tragedy. It's a tragedy, and sometimes they do die out of sadness if it's if it's strong enough of a bond. But they can survive without it. Um, and so Zayden is like, yeah, no, your life is now tied to mine. And also, everybody's gonna want to try kill you because now that they know that Taryn is willing to bond, they're gonna want to kill you to try uh, bond with Taryn. And you're like. Why? He obviously picked her for unconventional reasons. Why would anybody be like, yes, he'll just pick me if I kill her instead? Like, it makes no sense. But anyway, he's like, everybody's going to be coming after you. Um, <laughs> which is what happens. There's a point where people try to assassinate her in her bed. Um, and Zayden comes on his white steed. But this is or also his black where, steed. This is also where we learn about Andarna's power because there's a point where like Zayden's not going to get there in time. And uh, she is like super going to die. Uh, and Andarna's like, use my power. And she stops time. And uh, it drains the crap out of Andarna. She's really tired afterwards. But this is where she learns about Andarna's power. But Taryn had seen that she was going to get killed, told uh, Zayden's dragon. Zayden's dragon sent Zayden. And so basically, you are immediately are like, oh, their dragons are in love. They're going to be in love and they're just going to be around. Like, it's just, God, there's zero fucking tension. This is also where the whole, like, her mentioning how hot he is goes into. Starts being part of every page. Yes. It's pervasive and disgusting. It was bad from before, <sighs> but it just gets so much worse because he's around more. I do like that he smokes pot at one point, basically. Because <laughs> it helps. Funny. We're, we're going to get When there. they're having drag- passionate dragon yeah. sex. So one of the things we learned is that when the dragons have sex if they don't if they're not careful about blocking out their riders then you can feel them what exactly do you feel like you know like Like, i'm wondering what that's like lust and so she like is feeling this and she also a couple of things happen when she gets a dragon number one uh this guy named liam who is the best first year in their class uh gets assigned to her as a bodyguard by zayden one of zayden's friend emogen the girl who pink hair pink haired and fucked up her shoulder earlier is assigned to her to have her do weights with her legs to help her stay on because here's a here's a fun fact guys <laughs> nobody has saddles literally from getting bonded to getting presented as a bonded pair a, somebody falls off their dragon and dies as a military all you want is for people to bond dragons, right? So you can throw them into battles, no. right? Why would it's, you not make it so it's that it's the winnowing? Know- it's it's the the survival of the fittest. Once it's they're insane. in battle, they're bonded to their dragon. Their dragon tends to get weird if they die and isn't going to necessarily stay in. Why would you not make sure that they stay on top of their dragon? In Temeraire, it's so like such a thing that like I uh, the uh, captains who are bonded with the dragons are not allowed to duel. 
even though everybody else in society can duel, you're not allowed to duel because God forbid you die and then your dragon no longer wants to fight for us. Like, and not to mention to lose a valuable source of labor. Exactly. Well, and magic. You don't necessarily know that you're going to be able to get that magical ability back specifically. And that is one of the things that, we'll, we'll get back to the saddle thing in a second, but that is one of the things that this book does so poorly is actually have the dragon-human relationship in it. It doesn't happen until about halfway, and then once it's there, Tarnanok is not really a real character. He's just kind of a grumpy voice that talks to her sometimes. There's no bond. They don't go through a trial. They don't go for a swim together. There's no, like, them bonding together, and there's nothing told through the relationship. So there's two series that do dragon writers really well. One is the Temeraire series. Lawrence regularly would just go sleep with Temeraire then uh, sleep in his bed. Oh my beds. god, I loved that book so much. It's too bad I wasn't part of that one because I didn't finish it. His relationship with Temeraire challenges how he sees the world. Temeraire is an active character who has to grow through the world. There's a lot of world building that goes into their relationship, but the relationship is also used in ways to characterize them and to talk about deeper themes of like agency and depression and things like that. Game of Thrones, another version that um, the dragons in there are feral, or A Song of Ice and Fire, excuse me. Uh, the dragons in there are feral, but they're very symbolic for the character of, you know, she she thinks about how, like, they're, they're a force of destruction and, like, she's trying to build a city up, but it would be so much easier just to burn everything with dragon fire. And it's her relationship to violence. Like, that's what the book is trying to talk about. Um, and even in terms of, like, dynastically, like, Westeros is too big of a continent to be ruled by one uh, house if they don't have dragons, which is like now why they're in such a dysfunctional state. Those are reasons to include dragons in your work and do something with them. In this case, it genuinely feels like the dragons weren't sentient. And then she, later she was like, yeah, okay, let's make them sentient and talk. And it like, it doesn't make any sense. You don't really feel like her and the dragons bond. There's no real like them, like th it, there's never a point where like, you get a lot of feelings from, like, e either direction or that they do. Like Katie said, just going for a swim together and, like, doing stuff. Or, like, like she starts finding she wants to spend more time with her dragon instead yeah, of Yeah, then people. Like, that's what this book should have been about. But, like, in the Temeraire series, one of my favorite scenes that made me so endeared was how um, Lawrence, or whatever, was that his name? Yeah, yeah. Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence. William Lawrence. Um, like, had to take care of the baby dragon. Like, you know, he had to figure out how to feed it, how to do all this. And then he became parental in that role. And then later on when they go and uh, and uh, Lawrence is in a really awkward emotional situation with his family, um, Temeraire's outside and he goes to Temeraire and it's like this, this welcoming, it's like my new family, like you're my family. And it's like... Continue. I was just fixing the uh, okay the focus, <laughs> and like it really felt real. Uh, but none of this book feels real, so that doesn't. Well, I'm going to contrast this lack of relationship with the dragon with the overdrive relationship with Zayden in a minute. But going uh, back to saddles because this is the yes. important. Like immediately, somebody just falls off their dragon back, and this is going to happen multiple times. And what you discover is nobody is like I. I had taken it as an, an assumption that like yeah, you needed to be strong, but that there was obviously going to be some sort of saddle well, mechanism. Yeah, no shit. Uh, there isn't the, the dragons. You just sit at the base of their neck. And you hope. And you hold on to like a <laughs> bone spur that they call the pommel bone. And you just hold on. That for seems dear really life. dumb. And it seems really dumb. 
Because if you go upside down, like, that's not just, like, your legs can't, it just, oh my god, I can't, like, it, there's How are you supposed to be able to focus on, uh, like, fighting in flight if you're too worried about falling off? Exactly, and also, just, like, nobody can hold, nobody's thighs are that strong, and also, I, I imagine a dragon neck is really wide. Yeah, so exactly. So you're probably, like, knees bent, and you're not, like, because with a horse, you, like, clamp onto the sides of them, and your thighs need to be strong, but the horse is never going upside down. You know, or flying sideways and you're going to fall off. So this idea that even that anyone can just stay on Dragonback by sheer force of their muscular power is fucking bizarre. The thing about it is it's not an organic outgrowth of the world. It is a thing the author put in because she wanted to have a character do a thing. And that's the problem. It's author fiat. She could have had saddles and just had it that Violet couldn't stay in her saddle and therefore she had to tie herself into the saddle. That's it. There you go. That's the problem, but with more logic. Or like maybe she just need different kinds of ties. Like maybe everybody else is just hooked in around the waist and they just have the one thing, uh, but they have some mobility and she needs to just be strapped in by the legs. And so like there is a difference, but like, no, nobody's wearing a saddle. And there's literally a point where like in a battle, somebody just falls off their fucking dragon. And I'm like, wow. That could have been fucking solved. <laughs> but anyway, so Imogen is making her strength train. Um, and uh, the Cute whole character yards, development, I guess, montage. Th- there's that whole scene where the dragons are having sex. Uh, she, she then wants to have sex because their emotions are coming into her. She learns how to block emotions through Zayden yes, in that moment. And then they end up kissing. And then, like, he's, he's like, no, get a, a, no, this was I a can't. mistake. This is a mistake. Or you, you don't, don't want actually it. want this. This is just the dragon's emotions. Don't fall for me. Uh, this isn't even where he says that. Like, it's so <laughs> dumb. Which is such a fucking stupid ass thing. Uh, to but say. anyway, then he starts avoiding her for a couple of weeks. And then, like, like they end up having it out about her avoiding him, and then he ends up like taking more of a role in her uh, There's... learning. There's a whole thing about the squad battle, and like at this point, like once they have the dragons, all the school stuff makes no sense. Yeah, There's it a doesn't point matter where, at as all. a squad. They have to do like a relay thing to do a like whoever the best squad is. You also start realizing like why did they spend all this time on like grappling? Like, what do any of these skills have to do with being a dragon? It's not like they were learning, like, trajectories or arithmetic or geometry, which you would actually need to know. Wind speed. Like, a sniper has to know a lot of math to know, like, the rotation of the Earth so that over a certain distance the bullet will... Like, that's a thing you would need to know as a dragon rider or a pilot. Or even just the the prerequisites to being able to wield power, much more so than, like, getting in fights. Yeah, and you shouldn't be off your dragon. Like, ideally, if you are in a, like, aerial battle... If you're off your dragon, you're fucked. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but anyway, yeah, why weren't they learning how to do? Like, why don't they because have this author is not actually. Yeah, she I doesn't know. Care. I about, know. I know. There was a point when we were watching uh, the movie last night. Uh, X Men. X Men. The first X Men. And my brother was like, "But why isn't this doing this?" I said, "Alex, because they don't give a shit. They don't actually care <laughs> about making it work. Leg- you're asking for logic where there is none." And that is what this book is. You're asking for logic where there isn't. There isn't an inherent logic to it. Because, again, in a world where dragon riders are supposed to be coveted and are an important asset, you do not let them falling out of the, falling off their dragon destroy a bonded pair. Listen, I'm okay if you're like, before being bonded, they're useless. But after being bonded, they should be incredibly valuable as a resource. Anyway, 
Um, there's this whole dumb stuff that they're doing. Uh, like they have to go, they end up stealing her mom's map off the wall and she finds like a dagger with a rune on it. Uh, and then they have this one part where they go off to this, uh, when they win it, they are rewarded with a trip to an outpost and and they go to that. Yeah. And then she sees her sister and there's like this nice warm bubbly moment. And then Zayden's like, Zayden has to come because his dragon couldn't keep three days was the max that his the mated dragon. pair of dragons could be. And then they go back and see because there is a griffin attack. But her sister winds up being okay. And so then they get back. And then more political like subterfuge. There's some bullshit with Dane that happens as well. Some people try to kill her and her dragon. The next big plot point is that her and Zayden, they make the sex. No, not yet. She gets her power. That It happens after that. And kills Jack Barlow. What are, what are you, like, no, you're going out. No, no, okay, fine, brother. we'll summarize. So she gets into a situation, Jack Barlow is in the middle of it, it's she ends up killing him, yes, and she ends up killing Jack Barlow with lightning. Jack tried to kill Liam, and she was, she got really angry, her emotion, she finally gets her powers at an earlier point, but she doesn't have her signet, which is her super, her X-Men power. And, like, during the fight, she's like, oh, Jack, like, fuck you, you asshole, doing all this stuff. And she, like, literally lightnings him to death. And she's, like, really upset about it because, like, she's never killed anyone ever. And she's like, I I am just, like, I thought I wasn't like my mother, but I'm just like everybody else. Why I'm trying. I was, And then out of nowhere, she was like, I was really hoping to get a useful uh, power, like, like. <laughs> mending like my brother and you're like you have never mentioned that you any wanted, of that you just wanted a power like that was it like what are you you have never mentioned that you were hoping it would be useful you're a dragon rider you're gonna kill people and by this point she'd kind of made the decision like oh i actually like being a dragon rider this is the thing i'm going to continue to be and yet she's like oh but i have to kill people and zayden is and Dane is like, oh, you don't have to if you don't want to. And Zayden like grabs her and puts her on against the wall and is like, yes, you do. You have to kill people. And she's like, oh my god, his lips are like sculpted. It should be illegal for how hot he is. Why doesn't he have a permit for his beauty? And he's like, oh, tough love, but really I'm agency, women, feminism. Okay, so I do want to uh, point out that it would be okay for her to still have this struggle in this situation if it was written in a way that built up to that, but it's not, so therefore yes. it doesn't work. And, and listen, I'm fine with someone killing someone for the first time and having a hard time with that. I'm not okay with her being like, my signet means I am just a terrible, I'm just a <laughs> weapon. <laughs> How? Why would I have a weapon, a signet that's just destructive? Other people, metallurgy can be useful in other, like, she's she, never you discussed any of that. You are a dragon rider. You wanted to be, you decided you wanted to be a dragon rider. You if anything, back it should archives. be electrified. Yeah, when you went back to the archives, you were like, this isn't my my world anymore i'm different now like and i don't understand her so anyway she's having an identity crisis and then um uh what's his face Aiden comes in and is like listen i know what i said out there but i was just trying to like it's okay and blah 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 and he was like is there anything i can do to help you right now and she's like there's Take one out thing your you cock there's one thing you could do and he's like no violet we can't do this and she's like yes we can't stop saying i know you want me and like i don't know where she's like i know you're into it too buddy even though prior to this point, she's just been like, it's just, me. this is, I, I do have to say, this is actually one of the cringiest sex scenes, which it's, I've, I've read like weirder ones that, but are funny in their weirdness. But this is definitely one of the, like when it, uh, I don't like it. So here's the problem with that. She is a romance writer and she is trying to write a romance scene here. So not only is it like rough, but it's also like passionate, you know, and like romantic. And it's like, oh, the feelings involved and we love each other. Oh, God, I need you in me. All that kind of absolute 
shit and they talk a lot and he says things like oh my god you feel so good and she's like you feel there's so literally good. the line where it's like and the kiss was hot and hard yes yeah <laughs> fuck and then like the, the he's i don't like the sliding in me and katie recently did a uh dissection of a very bad sex scene for two hours in terms of we look over the pros by the way we have a patreon we haven't mentioned it it's two and a half hours into the video we never mention it it's okay it happens but we break down a bunch of the things you shouldn't do in sex scenes this scene does a lot of everything them. wrong and it's so cloying like you can just feel that the author is trying to make it so passionate and romantic his voice and it's is not. rough like velvet uh, velvet's not rough level a thousand sex because passion equals violent and then her lightning power ruins the armoire yeah that's the other thing her lightning powers go off while she's like feeling le petit mort uh, I mean, he should just went down on her and left it at that and left. And that would have been way more like. And, and also fitting. Like, you want to relax? You want a bit of a release? I got you. But no, they have the. No. And, and like, they literally. She needs him inside of her. She literally lightning bolts everywhere. And he protects her with the shadow, which again can just do things besides block light. His velvet was like a rough boy. <laughs> His tongue was like a sandpaper. And the thing is, this starts off almost like a mini arc with two of them are like, we can't be together after this, but we're going to flirt mentally all the time. And we're in scene, we're like doing things together and eating lunch. And I noticed that you had some porridge and I was like, oh my God, I wish I was that porridge. I don't think that actually happens. But it's it's basically like that. Cause like the next day he's like, I can, th she's like, oh, we, you know, probably should go to bed. And he's like, I think it's something else we can do. And she's like, listen. I can't keep having sex with you. You said, uh, I can't fall for you. And I can't promise that I'm not going to do that. I'm an emotional woman. And so if you don't want to fall for me, we're just not going to have sex. And then they're like, okay, well, I guess this is what we're doing. And then like, well, instantly five seconds later, literally a chapter, maybe two chapters later, they're doing it again. Oh, uh, one thing I did want to say is that again, the thing is that once this scene happens, there's a little middle mini arc until they have sex again, which is awful and even worse. Cause this time they're saying, I love you a lot in it. And how they are always together but the thing about it is like why is this the relationship that is being paid attention to we came for dragon rider not for bullshit zayden stuff There's so little Taren or uh um and darna during this, this section. reminds it, me go ahead well and the other thing is that it feels like this should have been spread out more throughout the book this tension between the two of them it feels like this is very siloed from the rest of the book and that, again that's one of the things maria talked about again about the beginning about how harry potter is able to work all of these plots and string them out till they all come to a head at the end but you're like okay i'm following from one plot to the next plot and this one it's like a thing happens another thing happens and then another thing happens and they don't build on each other so there's a, a novel i read uh in my first year of college and I don't remember what it was called at all but it was like it was legit a bodice ripper like it was just porn uh with the veneer that true veneer of fantasy and it was a barbarian woman like army leader uh and she gets stuck in a cave with a dragon and they end up having a whole bunch of wild crazy sex and it's like that's all it is though is sex but is it makes dragon? sense because that's what you were supposed to be there for. Yeah, you were like just you go, supposed to be there for the sex. You go into the book thinking that that's like... How big is the dragon? The dragon's gigantic, but then he can turn into a human. Oh, that's boring. That's some bullshit. Yeah, I know. Commit to the bit. All the stuff Will is complaining about is happening. There's this uh, uh, revolution thing where like, it's a celebration. It's July 1st. Because I guess it had to be close to Fourth of July, um, and uh, 
there's this big party celebrating the end of the rebellion, which was again, you know, the day that his dad and all the other rebel children's parents were killed. And uh, so there's this big party happening uh, for it. And she ends up going with Liam, her, like the King is there. And like this world makes so little sense. The King is mentioned very briefly in the beginning and then shows up at the end. And I forgot there was a King. I was like, I forgot the world existed outside of this school. Cause it's just nothing. You don't hear about like, you know, like they're having a bad crop in this season. Like, like it just doesn't feel like a fleshed out world. It's just like, this school is it. And like, this is the world. Um, and the king's there, and he's, like, making comments, and then they're like, where is uh, Zayden Ryerson? We like to keep an eye on him and make sure he's not doing bad things. And she's like, oh, my God, Liam, I'm so sorry. You have to be here right now. Everyone's being such a dick to you. Yeah, there's a king, Celia. I know. I feel the same way. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Anyway, um, and so then she ends up going to find uh, Ryerson because he's, like... Um, uh, she knows he's upset because this was the day his dad died. And so she goes to find him and he's on the parapet and she's in a dress. Like she had to get into her dress uniform, which you could choose a skirt with a slit or you could choose pants. And like, so everybody's in like prom, basically like dragon rider prom outfits. This is one of those books where like they just dress up to be hot, to be hot. And everyone's like, oh, babe, you're so hot. Like the women say to each other. And you're like, but that doesn't, we don't even have that moment barely. We, yeah. we got it. It's wish fulfillment. So she goes out and, okay, imagine anime for a moment. And Zayden is on the parapet and there's like a storm around him. And she's like, I've got to walk out on the parapet in this dress. Um, and she like she she goes on to there and he's like you idiot why are you walking out here I have shadows shadows can apparently pick up things if they fall again what is this shadow propaganda I don't like it shadows can block light that's all they do and the thing is a shadow actually isn't even a thing it's a lack of a thing so really his power should be entropy which are like leeching energy or uh, heat from something and she's like but I needed you or I'm sorry. And I love you and we like I need you to open up to me and let's let's be together and da 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 and I love you and I know you love me and we need to be together. And so this is them having their emotional moment and then they, they have sex and he's like, You're mine now and you will be mine. I don't deserve you, but you'll be mine forever. They have a terrible sex scene. Uh and then at the end of the sex scene or like or in the middle of the sex scene, like they end up from evening all the way until four fifteen, they're still going. He's in the middle of uh doing things to her when somebody knocks on the door and they're like, Guys, we're under attack and they all have to muster and people are getting out of their clothes and they <laughs> And they're not actually really attack. It's, it's all... part of their war games. And like we earlier that scene with um, where she killed Jack Barlow was a war game thing. And this war game is where they are getting sent to active actual parts of the country. And they're uh, simulating an actual war scenario where the wings are getting sent to different areas. The wing leader has to control the different squads and tell them what to do. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, earlier in the scene, uh, I'll be right back, guys. I gotta run to the bathroom. Why do you keep admitting to people that you pee? It's gross. <laughs> I knew he was gonna say that shit. It is. She can't hear you. Katie, for some reason, we don't know why. Basically, what happens is there's some war games, and then basically, um, oh, this is the part where she gets her saddle. Like she goes there, and her dragon like has a saddle on it, and she's like, a saddle? I can't use this. And he's like, I designed it with uh, what's his face. And somehow, uh, Taryn can put this thing on. By himself i can understand him being able to take it off like i imagine like he can press something and it just like but being able to put it on by himself makes no sense insane he does not have opposable thumbs basically they have to go on a mission thing and they end up going to a spot and she finds out 
that Zayden has been in league with the Griffin Riders. And also this whole time you've been thinking, how do shitty Griffins manage against dragons? And it's actually because they're smaller and they're kind of shitty. Like they're a fake threat on the border type of a thing. Um, And she finds out they've been working together and that's because he's been smuggling them like this special magic from their wards. Because what we don't know is that there are these terrible evil mages. Remember remember the, the yeah. thing I mentioned earlier, that book of fables that has those terms that don't get talked about? They get mentioned halfway through the book, and basically the idea is you can channel magic through dragons, through griffins, or directly from the earth. But if you do it directly from the earth, it's called being a vivin? It sounds a lot like venom. Like a vinen? Vi- vinen, a vinen. Uh, and the, the vinens are like... Vinen? Vernon? Vernon? No, Vernon. there's no R in it. Really? Guys, let us know if there's an R in it. Um, but anyway, um, and the the venom are like they're basically the it vermin. is venom. The um, uh They they're like uh, the evil. Like if you guys saw that, um, they're the Sith. No, no, no. You know the the D and D movie that came out recently. There yeah. was that lady who had like the stuff around. Yeah, her she's eyes. the Sith. Um, and it's like it's basically like evil cult, but they. Uh, lose their humanity and die earlier because they're using the magic directly from the yes, ground. Yes, it's an unchanneled uh, a tap on magic, and it uh, affects them, and they become bad. But they also make wyvern, which are dragons, but evil dragons. But uh, so Zayden has been helping these Griffin Riders because even though everyone in the nation she lives in thinks that Vinan and Wyvern are myths and don't exist, if you're outside of the that kingdom, you know that they do exist. They're kept out by the wards that keep their uh, place safe. But all the countries outside are being attacked, specifically the country with the Griffin Riders, are being attacked by Vinan, who are just like Venon, uh, who are just fucking stuff up. And, like, decimating villages. And the only thing that will kill the venom is the material that is used to power their wards. And so, like, you think at first that the wards are just magic that they're casting on places. But no, in the last third of the book, suddenly the wards are powered by specific rocks. Wait, what? I missed that part because I was going at two times speed. Yeah. Or actually, I was going at 2.5 no, times earlier, speed. Because they literally point. talk about how her uh, sister can do really good wards and shields. Yeah. And so, for the majority of the book, wards are described as entirely yeah, magical. Like spells. And then in the last third of the book, wards have a physical element that you can take, turn into weapons, and those are the only thing that can kill uh, the venom. But that doesn't make any... Wait. And that's why the wards along the the edges of the southern area were coming... put a ward on her door and it was like a spell. So yep. why is it... Is it, it just because it's stronger? She is not a good author. <laughs> she did not think this no, through. No, that's my point. She did not think this through. She, she like, wrote a thing. Um... But anyway, and he has been, what what he's been doing is not anything that would actually hurt their nation. He's just been helping the Griffin Riders defend themselves against the Venon um, and uh, being able to defend themselves. And uh, basically, when they get to the place where they're supposed to, like, where she discovers this, the next place they have to go to is the actual citadel or, like, fortress that they're supposed to be defending. But when they get there, it's empty. And there's a little note from one of the generals saying, you can either leave this place, uh, you can, like, you have a choice. You can come and you have enough time to get uh, uh, to the new location where you can continue on with your orders, or you can be there. And the thing is, there is an attack by Venon happening. <laughs> the sooner you learn to let go and stop thinking, Katie, the less it will hurt. 
and, and basically they put him in an impossible choice. The ruling, and what this tells you is the ruling, the ruling government knows that the venom exists. This this confirms a couple things. Number one, the ruling government knows the venom exists. The rebellion that the, uh, his father led before was literally to be like, hey, we are letting innocent people die outside of our borders. We have the ability to help them. We should help them. Um, and then, you know, they were murdered and killed. But that the ruling, like her mom knows about the venom. The generals know about the venom because they're basically saying, you have a choice. You can be loyal and come and finish up the war games, or you can defend these innocent people from dying. But if you do that, you're disloyal, which is like the dumbest, dumbest. thing. And also, like, <laughs> why? Why are they not dealing with this threat? These guys are like super powerful. At some point, they're going to be a problem. And his dragon, Sigail, and Taryn are like, yeah, fuck these. The Venon are pretty bad. Why are all, why are not every, why is every dragon okay with this setup? Why is every dragon okay with being, uh, like letting this happen outside? Because like the dragons and the griffins can communicate and aren't actually like, Sigale and um, Taryn don't have bad feelings toward them. And so, like, why are just these two dragons and, you know, like, everybody else's dragons okay with this? Because, like, all of the other rebel children came with their dragons to defend uh, this city. And all of those dragons are okay. Which means, how is Navar or Navar convincing all the rest of the dragons not to deal with this threat? Like, it just... It makes no sense. The thing is, this battle is supposed to be big and rousing because it's like, we got no chance, but we got to survive. Um, We got to help the civilians escape. Like, we can't let the innocents die. And there's a part where they're like, I'm a dragon rider. I got it. You know, my job is to protect the weak. And I'm like... We protect the innocent. That was never brought up at all. At no point in any of your training were people like, we always fight for the little We're valorous. No, it's literally this entire time. It's been nothing like that. There's been no... Follow uh, rules. Take your orders do the thing this is supposed to be like a big battle and they fight and like to be honest i couldn't quite follow what was going on because i didn't care um but the thing about it is it's supposed to be very much like the sex scenes it's supposed to be very intense and um emotional but it just isn't because you don't care about her connection with taranach you don't really understand like a lot of the other characters i didn't even really know who they were um, there's one character, Liam, who people liked and he dies. But again, it's not even as sad as a random di- dragon dying in um, Temeraire because the book just has not built up those relationships whatsoever. And then at the end of the battle, she gets poisoned in like the leg by one of the Vernon. And basically they're like, oh no, we, we mostly survived, but she's injured. We got to take her to somewhere. And so they take her and somewhere. And if we she's... take her back to Viscaeth, uh, it'll be, and, and she immediately like, realizes the venom are real he's fighting for a good cause and she's like pissed at him because she's like you lied to me you didn't let me in well no shit but she's been understanding of this the never mind it's yeah because she immediately is like oh yeah this this is an actual threat i'm on your side but how dare you keep this from me like uh if you're understanding enough to immediately go then why would you ask that my immediate thing would be like i understand why you hit it you you needed like to like but no there's this whole bullshit of like but i opened up to you and you didn't open up to me it's not that you hit it it's how easily you hit it and i'm like what and not just that the reason they got caught and this whole thing got set up was because her friend dane uh when he touches people's faces he can see a recent memory and so at some point he got that memory yes he touched her and and it was at a point where he um zayden told her that he went to this other place he didn't say why he didn't say anything he just said that him and some people went 
to this one town. And that's how they knew, like, Dane obviously snitched. But also, how did he get that specific memory? Like, that's nowhere near what happened in the plot of, like, can he dig through memories and be like, show me sedition? Like, I don't understand. But anyway, the whole point that he makes is, like, it wasn't you, the, your, your friend Dane is literally, and then she also then learns, like, hey, because I opened up and told you one thing, this entire situation happened. And then she's still pissed off at him about it at the end, where she's like, you should have told me, no, your friend Dane can touch your face and get any of your memories. What the fuck? Like, I'm sorry. He, I'm, I, I don't like Zayden, but no, you do not tell the lady with the friend who can read minds uh, anything. And basically, they go to a secret city um, because this is not enough of a ripoff of Rysand. There's a secret city that they've been rebuilding this whole time behind, beneath the nose of whatever their country is called. And again, and they have a conversation where she wakes up, and this is all told from Zayden's point of view, where he talks about needing to fuck her like, physically, and I'm like, what the fuck? Dude, when the audiobook switched to the man's voice and the man was doing her voice. It was such a character shift from the fucking female's voice. It's because it's like kind of, you know, riotous and loud and bratty. And then when it's from Zayden's perspective, it's like, no, I'm okay. You lied to me. I gave you I, I, I trusted you and I opened myself up to you and I cannot trust you again. Oh my god, so and it's fucking like, again, dumb. like you are being ridiculous. You are literally the reason that whole shit went down because your friend touched your face. So yeah, no, he was right. But anyway, she's mad at him and we don't get resolution of their relationship. She's like, I you have to earn my trust. And he's like, Oh I'll my god, every day. Fucking and then her brother Brennan, who she thought was dead for the past six years, walks in and is like, Welcome to the revolution, sis. And that's how the book ends. You're welcome. All right. We're three hours in, guys. Can we? This is awful. It's bad. See? It's bad. It's an awful book. And then Lindbergh says, um, which I think sums it up well. And then later, when Zayden, in his POV, goes, she's half dead, but so sexy, I get hard by looking at her. Yep. Specifically, he talks about how he's hard all the time looking at her. He was hard from the first moment he saw her. That yeah. sounds like and a medical issue. It's really disgusting, honestly, how the, the romance is written. I get that, like, I'm not a bodice stripper person, but like I'm I'm a shipper. I love sappy things. I'm you know, I I, I like the sex scenes, but like this is just it's written in such a cloying way and it's also written in a way where the romance is not set up with the emotional beats that it needs to feel authentic. So it just feels overwrought and kind of gross. Um, and like you're wa- like if you ever picked up a phone and somebody else they're sexting their significant other and you're like, ugh, I did not want to think about those. Yeah, yeah that's that how way. I felt. That, that's the is this entire book. It's a mess of a book. Um, it's popular because it's very. Um, I don't know. I don't know why bad things are popular. I don't know, guys. I just think he got marketed well, probably. Oh yeah, they marketed the shit out it's of it. It's just, it's just she had she. It's just a really good market. It, like either she the had the amount mis- of good reviews though. The amount of people. Well, does that surprise you? There's plenty of bad books that get good reviews. It just, it's so. If this book was half the length, I would not really have a problem with it. If it was half the length, and if it just was a shameless bodice ripper, yeah, and if it was just a shameless bodice ripper, if there was more of an effort to keep tension throughout, that's part of the problem. Is that it's just like things happen one moment to another, and they don't necessarily feel like they're building on each other. There's no kind of matching the tension, the the laying out the the plot line so they all come together at the end the battle at the end feels weirdly perfunctory and yet like the author thinks it's really important um but it's been like the end it's like the last half hour of like 
20 hours. Um, I just bear in humanity. Um, I don't know why people aren't smarter. There's a very large explanation for that. But also, side note, Angry Otter. Angry Otter, by the way, says it's a beach read if you want to spend 22 hours being irradiated. What I'm picturing as a beach read is I'm picturing like a 38-year-old mom of three while uh, various aged kids are down by the water and she and her uh vaguely wealthy middle-class husband have uh, gotten a hotel room at Daytona Beach for a week. And this is what she reads every day while she's sitting out getting her tan. Demand that is what I picture. This right here. Someone in the Discord was talking about it's appealing because you can turn off your brain. Yeah, exactly that too. You can or it forces you to. Much in the same way that trauma causes your higher brain functions to shut down. This requires and, and would like little thinking on your part. Like... Again, don't ask questions. So do we recommend this book? No. no. A thousand times, no. We have a Patreon. Join it. I would like cool to things. highlight. Oh, yeah. You wanted to nice, highlight some stuff. Uh, some comments. Nestle says, I feel bad now that most of my comments on Nine Fox Gambit above were, if not criticism, then at least critical. I feel like that's my job as a book club member. But compared to Fourth Wing, it deserves nothing but praise. Another comparison. Akatar was formulaic melodrama for a very specific audience and presumably also satisfying some author's self-insertiness. But its biggest issue for me was how freaking boring it was and patronizingly long in descriptions, broken dialogue. Conversely, <laughs> Fourth Wing was a blast in one sense. It was nonstop, that's for sure. I feel like I have a concussion. The melodrama was overt. It affected the character profiles as well as the prose setting and plot. The pace was fast, thank goodness, because every other sentence is a ticking time is ticking some box to this formula, uh, the story uh, formula. I feel like the author was literally slamming you repeatedly against a wall, and after about two chapters, I felt nothing anymore. Not even irritation. Oh, except the pain around my forehead because I spent so much time rolling my eyes. Still forgettable. Then we have Lindbergh. Ah, fourth wing. It is you. <laughs> I wish I could say it was a pleasure to make your acquaintance, but I do not believe in lies. You pose in the guise of a thrilling adventure, and like a Venus flytrap, you snare young innocents with your promises of friendship and deadly dragons, of struggle to survive in a competition against the odds, of tall, dark strangers and the lure of romance. But as, care as a careless foot treads on one of your hidden barbs, you close the teeth on them. I wish you had made yourself known to me as your true self. An aggressively tropey romp around Fantasylandia with Mary Sue and Gary Stew, thirsty as people lost in the desert, dark and toxic as a tropa belladonna. If you had come to me in honesty, fourth wing, I would have spared myself your spiritual, intellectual lobotomy. Jesus Christ, Lindbergh! Better written than the book <laughs> so itself. Fun. It was, and so it's longer. Like, fun. I didn't... I didn't even, I can't, I can't highlight it, but I didn't even read the whole thing. There was, um, Thea says, I will say that for the most part, I found Fourth Wing to be a compelling dumpster fire. I did not like a single thing about it, but I was entertained. This yeah, is the first time I understood the meaning of so bad, it's good. And then they go into a deeper thing. And uh, uh, Thea was also the one who linked their friend's article about the ableist narrative of toxic perseverance uh which we can pop in the link it in the description um and then it's valerie says baby's first world building a fantasy romance for aging millennial women who are discovering reading again after the first Shit, time since they read twilight oh my god i'm telling valerie! you valerie <laughs> our pages are pretty anyway, funny they spicy <laughs> That was a very spicy one. Jesus. <laughs> Thank you for being here with us, our patrons. You're fantastic. Please join our Patreon. It's a good time. All right. Sign us out. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>